Blog Talk Radio. Intelligent, controversial, groundbreaking. The great liberators are coming. Hosts Amiri Brown and Kenya White take on all topics intrinsic to the black experience. No topic is too cold or too hot. Now, here are the great liberators, Amiri Brown and Kenya White. Hey, how's everyone doing out there? This is your host, Mary Brown, host of the Great Liberators Radio Show. Um, we're coming live at you tonight. It's going to be a, you know, a a, a power pack episode. Um, I'm waiting to get Kenya in, and we're doing, you know, we're doing the the stream to YouTube as well. So, so just give us just a second, and and we'll and we'll uh we'll get it going. Yeah. Hey, oh. Kenya, are you there? Oh, let me see. What's going on? Hold on one second. Yeah, Kenya? Hello. Hey, what's going on? How are you? I'm right, I'm doing I'm doing pretty good. I'm trying to manage all of this stuff. So, you know, I'm not real good with the tech stuff, but I'm trying to manage it. I'm on I'm on live on Google, right? Mm-hmm. So so are you did you get you got the link? Yeah. Um I'm coming on right now. Okay. And the number the number to call in for tonight's show is six four six five six four nine eight five eight. That's six four six uh five six four nine eight five eight. So um how how was your weekend? My weekend was all right. I had a lot of free time there. Enjoyed myself. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that's what's up. Ain't nothing wrong with that. You know what I'm saying? Oh, mine was the same way it always is. I was working. I was grinding, baby. You know, I I pretty much work, you know, uh, every weekend and I sleep every Sunday. So I I, got to break that. um... Hold on. Why the the audio sound messed up? Let me see something. I think it's the speaker, the microphone on my. I know what it is. Hold on. Hold on one second, Kenya. Yep. That's my that's my mic. I gotta I gotta it's my um hold on one second. That's better. Um, okay. Uh, you know what? We got a guest calling in too. Let me see. Um, did you get the link yet, Kenya? Yeah, I did. Uh, what I was wanting to tell you is that it's telling me I can't join a call while I'm currently in a call. So I don't know how uh, I'm going to have to keep the one or the other. I thought you were. I thought you were doing a show from your laptop. Oh, you can, you can. Oh, yeah. 
Uh, well, do do um do Google from your from your laptop. I thought you were, I thought you were doing shit from your laptop. Okay, but is that going to interfere when I try to play the clips? Yeah, it probably will. Dang, I didn't think of that. Do Google from your from your laptop. Let me see. Um. I'm hearing oh, an echo. Yeah, okay. I know I'm going to fix it. Wait, I think it's... Okay. Hold on one second. And I still got the other... I got another caller, too. I got to... I got to get her, her back. I got to get her on. Let me see something. How many clips did we have for tonight, Kenya? Two. Just two? Yeah. <laughs> who was it? Who, who was it? The usual suspect? I have the clip of Cruffalo Dollar saying he wanted to shoot non tithers and I had a clip <laughs> of I, I forget that one pastor's name. That was how did uh, I know that was, Huh? Yeah, how did I, how, I said, how did I know that name was going to come up? Creflo Dollar. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> he's the worst of the worst. That's one of the, that's one of the usual suspects. Um, uh, uh, Christina, if you're if you're on the line, press one so I can bring you in. Let me see something. I need to see what's going on with uh with YouTube. Man, it's a lot trying to manage all this stuff. Man, let me see. I think see. I should hang up and just join through the hangout. Through the hangout? So what you you gonna you gonna hang up on what? You gonna hang up on blog talk? Yeah. Yeah, but then they won't be able to hear. You. Well, I guess they well <laughs> No, they're not gonna be able to hear you. I'm trying to think. <laughs> they're not gonna be able to they're not, they're not gonna be able to hear you. Let me see something 'cause I'm trying to see um let me see. They're not going to be able to hear you if you do that. You know what I'm saying? Where's Miss Akita? We need Miss Akita to help us. No, man. She know all that stuff, man. She be trying to tell me. I'll be like, I don't know what you're talking about. Do what? Miss <laughs> Akita. I'm not good. I'm not good with that. Um, Let me see something. Yeah, we need our our brainiac friend. Yeah. Tech she, savvy. Tech yeah, savvy goddess. <laughs> She's real good with that kind of stuff, man. I don't be knowing what's going on. I'm trying to, matter of fact, let me see something. Damn, how do I get back to? Trying to get back to YouTube to see what the, to you know, mine to the chat room and seeing if seeing if the audio is okay. I gotta figure out how to how to pull up. Yeah, but, you know, that's the topic for tonight. You know, has the black church failed the black community? And you already know my opinion on it. You know what I'm saying? My opinion is yeah. it's it's, a, it's sounding yes. Like it's not even it's not even open for debate. Right. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Um, yeah. I think the, the black church has been, um, they've been the gatekeepers for um, white supremacy and for, um, you know, this, this this corporate fascism that that we're actually under in America, you know, by by their promotion of, um, you know, of the prosperity movement, and 
me see. Hold on, let me see. I'm trying to get to the chat room. Yeah. I will say yeah, that yeah. I think that there are different churches, different con- congregations that they do do nice stuff in the community and they do give back. They have outreach mm-hmm. programs and all of that. So I'm not saying that they haven't done anything, but, you know, there's no denying that for all the money that black churches take in, they're not putting a large percentage of that back into the community. Right. Right. A second. Hold on a second, Kenya. Mm Mm-hmm. Let's see. She said she can hear clearly. Okay, y'all said y'all can hear? Chatroom said they can hear. Somebody said, hey, can you boo? <laughs> hey. See, that's what I want to right. see the chat room. I want to see the chat room. Hmm. I'm trying to figure out. I, I, you know, I'm going to have to get some software and stuff. I don't be knowing what I'm doing with this stuff. Okay, let me bring, um, let me bring Christina in. Hold up. I think I need to go. I need to join the other way. Okay, there you go. Hold on, let me. I'm gonna bring Christina in in a minute. I'm bringing you on in a second, Christina. Just bear, just bear with us, then we'll we'll really get into it. I'm gonna I'm going to join the the hangout. See if you can hear me on that side. If join if you join the hangout. Well, yeah, 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 that might work. Because if you join the hangout, I have, I have my, because I called into the show today, and so the, the, it, it, they should be able to pick you. It should pick you up on Blog Talk. So I guess, I guess you could get that try, and then if it don't work, you could just call back. But you could call in. But yeah, do it, do it like that. All right, Christina, I'm bringing you on. Okay. Christina. Hey, hey, how y'all doing? We doing all right. We doing all right. Well, Kenya, she, Kenya is gonna. She's not on the line right now. She's gonna join through um through Google Hangout. But how you doing? I'm doing great. I'm doing great. Looking forward to being a part of this uh, project y'all have going. So I'm excited about that. It's be cool. Yeah, I'm, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm glad to have you. <laughs> okay, good, good. I think I, I think you and I are gonna agree. On some issues, and then other issues, we're going to disagree. You know what I'm saying? For sure. um, just, For you sure. know, just, just briefly give me your basic your basic analysis of um, the black church and its uh, relationship to the black community, if you don't mind. Well, um, my particular views is the church, you know, for a very long time was very instrumental in providing encouragement and esteem for black people. I feel like. You know, when you think of the story of like Nat Turner, the Bible gave him that inspiration to fight back. You know, when he realized mm-hmm. that the Bible does not teach that you can own slaves. And a lot of times people need to understand that in a biblical context of slaves, it wasn't what happened with our ancestors. Because the Bible speaks out against kidnapping people. But in the ancient mm-hmm. context of slavery, it was like, if I owe you money and I can't afford to pay you back, I'll sell myself to you, but it'll be for a period, a, a period of time. It will only be for seven years and at, at most, depending on what I owe. After seven years, you let me go. So that was the context in which they were discussing. So when Nat Turner 
realized that because they remember they had him going around preaching to people. He like, wait a minute, the Bible don't okay this. So they encouraged him. But I feel like nowadays I agree with your premise about it being a hindrance, simply put, because they don't advocate the principles. You know, I'm a Christian. And I grew up in one of those mm-hmm. churches, those liberation theology churches, and it was ridiculous. Like every Sunday was the white man this, the white man that, the white man this, the white man that. And then, you know, you got these politicians that come in on Sunday morning, you know, rallying people up to get their votes, and then you don't see them again. And it's like, you got to teach the principles. It ain't just Jesus going to deliver you. I can't go out there and live a reckless lifestyle and be like, Jesus, deliver me. Like, it don't work like that. You know, you got to make smart mm-hmm. choices. And, and the scriptures give us good tips on how to live your life like you know i remember on your show y'all was talking about um before talking about you know the the broken family you know the fact that 72 percent of black children are born out of wedlock like, that's ridiculous and the church and the community don't mm-hmm. even address that they don't even they don't even mm-hmm. touch it with a 10-foot pole because they want to make sure them pots keep getting filled you know and the thing about right. tithing like you know the thing about tithing is tithe but it's for the purpose of supporting the church because my pastor is his job to full time to go out and take care, but you're not supposed to get rich off the church. Like my grandma's church, it was ridiculous. It was in the hood and it was connected to a burned down building. And it's three Roy's Royce. Mm-hmm. It's like it's like a two Roy's Royce in the Bentley or uh two Billy's in a Roy's Royce. But you get the point. They cost about the you get the price point. So you're talking you got at least a million and a half dollars worth of cars sitting in the hood. Like that's ridiculous. And then you got you putting the tithe mm-hmm. offering in a fireproof safe. So, you know, right. it's like, that's, that's, I don't want to go on for too long. I know you got to jump in and get some feedback, but that's just my, I feel like they haven't done enough to actually teach people the word of God. You know, it, the Bible got everything mm-hmm. that man experienced. The Bible got a remedy to it, but they don't teach people that. It's just, right. mm-hmm, huh, you know, give me your money. I got you all puffed up on emotion, <laughs> but then when you leave out, right. you don't know how to apply any of this to your everyday life to get true deliverance. And that's, so I, I have so many issues with it. So many. So many. <laughs> um, well you know what, like I, I, I agree with I agree with, with you know, with the the large portion of what you just said. Now me personally, um, mm-hmm. you know, I don't I don't identify as a Christian and I don't put um a whole lot of stock um in the Bible right now and that's just because um it's 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 largely been used been used by you know by men and and others to um you know enrich themselves and ingratiate poor people to themselves you see what i'm saying now i do understand that there's a certain moral value that can that can be you know ascertained from it and there are those who you know who who follow that and that's fine um i think right now the biggest problem has has been is that the black church has been the seat of black passivity within the black community, I'd say for at least the last 50 years. Ever since Martin Luther King Jr. was um, martyred, uh, you know, for the cause of the people, um, you know, those who were supposed to, you know, follow in his stead, they, they went largely onto, onto bullshit, to be frank with, to be quite frank with you, you know what I'm saying? Especially with the rise of the prosperity movement and the black bank, I mean, the, and the black church within the black community essentially operates as a black, as a black bank funneling money out of the community. Like a lot of these mega church pastors, they, um, you know, they, they live, they live high on the hog. 
You know what I'm saying? They live high on the hog. Okay, so we joined by Kenya. Ken, hey, how you doing? Can you say something so so see if she can hear you? Hello. Uh, you kind of low. Let me hey. see. Can you can you um can you raise up your mic, Kenya? Let me see something. Hold on. Make sure my volume all the way up. All right, say something again. Something again. <laughs> <laughs> okay, uh, that that's um that's better. Check the chat room for me and make sure that make sure they can hear you, Kenya. But yeah, like I was saying, you know, the black church has essentially operated as um you know as a as a black bank funneling money out of the community. You know what I'm saying? I mean, just remember, and not only that, check this out. A lot of the the churches that that, that are in you know black areas and depend on. Um, poor black people, a lot of them are pastored by white people. Look at Joel Osteen in Houston. That lady, um, what's her name? What, Paula White out of, uh, I think she's out, she's out of Florida. The majority of those congregations are poor black people. So, so and, and you know what? Religion in and of itself is the greatest scam on the planet because it is one in which you charge a fee for for um you know for an intangible product. Think about that. You charge a fee for an intangible product. For something for something that 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 can't be seen, can't be touched, can't be tasted, can't be quantified by any of the five senses. You know what I'm saying? And you charge top dollar for that. I mean, we all been to church. How many how many pastor appreciation um you know things do we have? It's pastor birthday. They got to get money for that. It's his wife's birthday. They got to get money for that. It's pastor appreciation. They got to get money for that. It's the it's, it's the pastor cat birthday. You got to get you got to get money for that. You know what I'm saying? All these ridiculous. And let's not even talk about the building fund where they steadily collecting money for a building that never gets built. You know you know what I'm saying? And then anytime there's some type of mass shooting or there's some type of um, force of white supremacy that has been that has been levied against a, against a black victim, the first person that they roll out there to, 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 to calm that revolutionary spirit that's brewing within the people is these nigger mushmouth pastors. Tell me I'm lying. <laughs> Every time, always talking about praying, always talking about forgiveness, always talking about nonviolence. But I didn't see, I didn't see none of these black nigger uh, mushmouth nigger, nigger pastors telling the president of the United States, George Bush, not to be violent when after 9-11. Whenever it's time for America, America to go show their military dominance in other parts of, uh, of the world and to further their imperialist, um, their imperialist and corporate agenda, there's no, none of these pastors are there telling them we need to turn the other cheek and not be violent. You don't never see them tell. You don't never see them tell the power structure violence isn't the way. But, but, but well, yet you know- you'll tell us that. Go ahead. You know, you know the thing about it for me. See, I guess it depends on the church you grew up in. Cause see, the church I grew up in was the total opposite. They talk about mm. that. They talked about that. I grew up like remember Jeremiah Wright when President Obama ran for president. Remember the controversy surrounding him. My right. pastor that I grew up under was like a Jeremiah Wright, and him and Jeremiah Wright were friends, and they would switch. Mm. They would switch, and he would go over there. Him and our him and our choir would go, and then Jeremiah Wright, when him and his choir would come to our church. So I mean, the church I grew up in was like F America. Like that's not what they said, but that was kind of the, the whole spirit. And you would be shocked that right. I turned out to think because you seen the content I put. You would be shocked because my reality 
it's like because I was like in two worlds, you know, because I mm. grew up in like in a um a mixed race suburban area. So like my first okay. childhood friend was a white kid, and then it was Chaldean kids and Chinese kids and Vietnamese and Filipino, and we all playing together. So my context of race is a little bit different because when I was very small, I had all these kids I'm playing with and going over people's houses and doing sleepovers. Like, mm-hmm. you know, so we, I, and my mom's friends' kids, you know, they white. So I'm playing with all these people. And then I go to church every Sunday and hear about, you know, white folks, this and that. And I'm like, but when I go home to my neighborhood or go over one of my mom's friends' houses and play with their kids, that's not what I see. You know, and right. I feel like a lot of the way I see it, I feel like the church has been a political tool or the progressive movement to keep black people with the irrational fear of racism in order to give them political power. Because I'm telling you, <laughs> in my church I grew up with, every Sunday they showed up because Margaret Sanger, who was the founder of Planned Parenthood, I don't know how many of the audience are aware that she was very, her, she was the eugenicist. She called black and brown people weeds that need to be exterminated. Mm-hmm. She got Ku Klux Klan Woman of the Year where she spoke at Klan rally. She was like, we want right. to kill black people. But she was like, we don't want to get the word out. And then she went on to say that if we want to get, you know, Negroes on our side, we got to get some black pastors. So she had pastors and was paying them money to preach a eugenicist message. So the progressives mm. have been in bed with the black church since the 1920s, and she was doing it because she knew this stuff. And they, these pastors mm. sold they sold to the devil to get money at the expense of their own people. And so we've been in bed with the, the progressives even before Martin Luther King back in the 1920s. Look, if your audience know like the Negro Project, look that stuff up. Right. So for for a long time, our church been selling us short, and, and so. Like, and y'all talking about, like, a lot of the impoverished things, a lot of those things can be fixed, you know, and I, and I know we're not necessarily supposed to de- debate. I know the topic ain't about religion per se, so I don't want to take it off topic, but just mm-hmm. to kind of point to, the scriptures deal with a lot of the horror that we see in the community, the scriptures deal with that. And all this donating money for extra silly stuff, that's not what it's about. You, do, you donate money, you tithe to support the ministry, you know, not for people to enrich themselves and a lot of these churches they they're not telling people the whole story so people putting in money hoping to get a mm-hmm. miracle like god a genie these coins in and close my eyes real real tight i'm gonna get deliverance it don't work like that boo boo when you got six kids by five men you know y'all not that's that's the way i see it you know and that's where i feel like they're not addressing stuff like that you know, because they don't want to offend their people and they cheat. And the, and the people are feeling frustrated. Like, well, how come, you know, they, like God not going to take us through something he ain't going to let me out of. God ain't took you through nothing. You took yourself there with them bad choices. But see, teaching that type of message keep people coming back and putting their money in the pot. You see, that's kind of the way I see it. You know, what, I don't know. Yeah, Kenya, what, what, what you have to, what you, what's your response to some of what she just had to say? And then I'll come in after you. Um, the only response I have to say is that um, Christian churches are not following the Bible. And in the Bible, it tells you that tithe is not money. It's food. Mm-hmm. So they're yeah. twisting scriptures for fat in their pockets. Yeah. I have to say about yeah. I, I, um, like, I, you know, I, I get the uh, the biblical aspect because I did, you know, I, I have studied it um you know, studied it extensively, and I will say this, that um, the Bible and just religion in general, even even God, even our God concepts are very much 
um, you know, pol- politicized. And they and they and and to be quite frank, they always have been. God has always been a political instrument that you know that different tribes ha- have used. God is very much tribal. You know what I'm saying? Um, and so, and so this is why I like to you know I, I like to rest my laurels more on logic and reasoning. Now, what Christina just said, I I, I do think there is this level of unreal unreality and this Dariusic view that many Negroes have. The fact of the matter is that your spiritual system should not conflict with your logic and with your reasoning. They should be in they should be in unison and they should be symbiotic. Black people are the only people on the face of the planet, in my opinion, who try and live out these religious concepts which are very much uh metaphoric. They are the only people who will try and who will, who will try and live them out literally. And because of that, we, we tend we tend to be fodder for these, you know, for these other groups. I mean, it's a dog eat dog world out here. We live in a world you know, we live in a world full of wolves and we are taught, we are socialized, we are conditioned to be sheep, except when it comes to each other. And this is something I talk about all the time, Kenya. My my thing is this, because people like to talk about the village mentality. How are we gonna talk about the how are we gonna talk about having a village mentality in the villages full of rapists, murderers, killers, backbiters, uh sadists? And and, 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 and and the like. How 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 am I going to have a village mentality with those with you know with with that ilk of um, people running rampant in the community? You know what I'm saying? How, am, how like how am I going to do that? That doesn't make any sense. So when it comes to when it comes to dealing with each other, we're we're very uh, we're very intolerant when it comes to dealing with each other. You know because there's this thing that you know black people we like to say. Well, you know, as black people, we have a certain humanity. That's bullshit. When it comes to white people, we have a certain humanity. When it comes to each other, we're, we're at each other's neck and at each other's throat almost um, un, almost unprovoked. There's, there's not another person on the planet more vicious and more, and, and more intolerant towards you than a, than a nigga you disagree with. Tell me I'm lying. <laughs> For real. Look, I mean, look at Facebook all day. The moment you say something that one of these that one of these niggas, both the men and women, don't don't agree with or disagree with, then all of a sudden it's a, it, it's a problem. All of us, all of us, all of a sudden they turn into super goon and super goonette. This is what niggas do. But then when white supremacy out, you know, white supremacy popping and they killing children. They killing men. They killing women. Nobody says nothing. It's a, it's a, it's a, it's an entirely different um, disposition. I'm tired of niggas, man. <laughs> you know, I see, it, I see, it, I, I see it like the church. Like that, come back to the family. You know, because that's mm-hmm. kind of where my biggest gripe is at the church. You know, they not telling the people what's really going on because when you start bringing up the issue of the broken family, they like, oh, it's like, yeah, we know it. Okay, the yeah, but won't you speak out about it? You know, you don't want to speak about sexual sin, and I feel like a lot of it, because a lot of these ministers was uh, enriching themselves. Like, I think back in the 1950s, guy in Detroit, I'm from Detroit, by the way, this guy named, like, Prophet Jones. And I remember, so, make a long story short, uh, my grandparents both died last year within six months of each other. 
And we were trying to get, prior to my grandfather dying, I was trying to locate my grandparents' wedding picture. It was in this, this um, newspaper in Detroit called the Michigan Chronicle, which pretty much was geared towards black people. It started like in the 1950s. So um, anyway, I was going through my grand the new I was at the at the Detroit Library going through those those the, what you know those little pictures no the old school things like the the um that you twist them to see the old uh, readers whatever so nevertheless I'm going through it and I'm reading about this man named Prophet Jones you know and so mm-hmm. basically he was like a charlatan you know he he predated Creflo Dollar like on steroids. You know what I'm saying? And and I've asked my daddy about it and he was like, Yeah, mama said mama said people would like pay to kiss his feet or something crazy like that, you know? And so I feel like because of the lack of education and I don't mean to put our people down, but you know, we went through so much as a people that we were at an inherent disadvantage than other groups because part of the thing was we were pushed to be uneducated, but then after the Emancipation Proclamation, um, when they had the Freedmen's Bureau the, the government agency came down to kind of help assimilate black people because you had like three million homeless people. Think about this. You know mm-hmm. about three million homeless people who never took, who always been dependent on somebody else. So the, right. our government realized that we got to do something. We got three million homeless people. So they had the Freedmen's Bureau to kind of teach people like, okay, this is what you to do. This, this is this and that. And they were shocked. Like we cared about family and education. Like, that was it. We just wanted to learn, and we wanted family, but still, it took time, and then you had a lot of other factors going in, which I don't want to get off into, but that, to me, that kind of started that whole, like, just, like, almost see the preacher as God. Like, I was at a, um, I was at a, a, a function, it was like a comedy show, and this man made mm-hmm. a joke about a minister that happened to be his relative, and this lady in the scanly cat dress, I'm like, don't talk about my minister, don't talk about my minister. And so a lot of these ministers, I feel like, saw how they could enrich themselves and saw themselves kind of like God. And, and a lot of these ministers mm-hmm. was involved in sexual sin, because, like, one of my aunt's husbands, you know, he, uh, this <laughs> was my great aunt, her husband was a minister, and he had a minister, mm-hmm. and he used to beat her up. You know, that's what I'm saying. Right. So a lot of these ministers wasn't doing right. Well, let me, let me, let me, so let me ask you this, though. Uh, let me yeah. ask you this, Christina. Um, because uh, Cynthia G wanted me to ask you. She said, let me find it. And I, I think it's a pertinent question. That's why I'm going to ask it. She said, explain the Bible solution for white supremacy and racial terrorism. Do you think, do you, are there any, is there any um, principles and values within the, within the Bible? from the Christian perspective, that can solve mm-hmm. white supremacy and racial terrorism as it is a, a paramount issue for black people? The, um, the way I see it, it's an issue with love. And I'm a, the reason, let me say it like this. As a, as a Christian, <laughs> I see the world, let me, let, me, huh. let, yeah, let me hear it, let me say it. But as a Christian, I, you got to think of my worldview. I don't see the, I see the world as supernatural. Now, I, I will say in full disclosure, you know, I'm studying Christian apologetics right now myself. And so I see the Bible as a, I believe the Bible is completely in there. I believe it's totally logical. To me, it's illogical to not believe in a God. I believe that people have abused religion because the fear of death is such a, is our biggest fear is to die. So if I can manipulate you based on that fear, I could control you. So yes, people have used religion as a tool of fear. But my thing about mm-hmm. it is, is that in our society, the issue is that we don't love each other because whether it's, White people being not treating black people fairly, whether it's us murdering each other, it's an issue of love. It's a demonic issue. It's a spiritual issue. That's the way I see it. So that is my biggest problem. Now, to be honest with you, I'm going to be very frank with y'all. 
Um, I do not, and like I said, my everyday life, I feel like our fear of white supremacy is more than necessary. Of course, white people are an inherent advantage over us simply because of the way America was founded and then things that happened for so many years after. But to me, it's hard for me to see like as there's some danger because if you look outside your everyday life when you go about your life when you go about your business nobody's bothering us like it's just it's not there i feel like the advantage of watching over us let me say real quick i think the reason why they continue to maintain power over us is because our families are dysfunctional See, everything starts, to me, that's my thing, everything starts at home. When you learn how to use the bathroom from your mama, you learn how to walk and talk from your mama and daddy, you learn how to be a man from your father, you learn what kind of man to pick from your father, you learn how to be a classy lady from your mama, you learn how to treat a woman from your mama. See, we learn all that. So when our family has been dysfunctional for the past 50 years, we kind of still feeling like it's the same thing, and it's not because there was a Moynihan report that came out in the 1960s by Daniel <laughs> Patrick Moynihan, and he talked right. about this very issue. And when he brought it up, everybody shut him down, and a lot of the people that shut him down was and and it's like and now we seeing that prophecy come to reality. So and when I, to answer the uh, the young lady, I believe it was the young lady, I can't remember. Question is, I feel like it's not so much that it's a biblical solution to white supremacy as far as something we could do, because I don't really feel like that is a huge problem in and of itself as as there's a, a power against us that we can't fight. I feel like it's been used as a political tool because if I can screw you over psychologically, I don't have to lift a finger. And so I feel like black people automatically feel like we out of the game. So when we go into life, we not prepared to function because we feel like it's this white devil coming to get me and then the white devil not there. Are there some evil ass white people? Absolutely there are, but they have no power over you. And I feel our biggest problem is realizing that these people have no power over us. That's, that's the way I hope I answered it in a way, because I, I feel like they don't have no power. Yeah. At least when I go through my life. Hey, Christina, actually, um, I have, I have, um, Cynthia join the line. How you doing, Cynthia? Um, I'm good. Yeah, you just, <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, well, well, let me ask you this: what, what, what would you think is, um, you know, has, in your opinion, has the black church failed the black community? What would I want? I said, do, do, do I'm, I'm asking your opinion. In your opinion, has the church failed the black community? Uh, of course, it has. And actually, I don't know what's her name, Christina. Her yeah. mindset is an example of the failure of how the church did the black community because in one breath she said that um, the Bible provides a solution to every problem in society and within the black community. Mm-hmm. But then when you asked her my question, she told me what she sees and what she thinks. I'm not asking what she sees and I'm not asking what she thinks. I'm asking her to tell what the Bible gives as a solution to white supremacy, because she's the one that said it gives all the solutions. So if she can't explain from the Bible's perspective what what solution doesn't prevent from white supremacy, it doesn't matter if she thinks it's an evil, demonic thing, okay, that's fine. What what solution does the Bible present for it? Well, what does it present? If if the issue is out of wedlock birth, and she believes that the rate of out of wedlock birth somehow contributes to the vitriol and hatred that black people have towards each other, and the the love and forgiveness that they have for white people, what solution does the Bible present to that? See, because this is to me the fundamental flaw in in the Christian mm-hmm. ideology, because they'll just say stuff. But 
when it comes to you asking them, and this is what pastors do, and I and I give this, they they would mimic this because uh, essentially they're not even going by their own interpretation of the Bible. They're going by what someone else told them the Bible means and what it says. Because they'll sit here and say stuff, but then when you question it and ask them to explain explain it, then they'll revert to their own opinion rather than what the Bible says. I'm not interested in her opinion. I think her opinion is flawed. I'm interested in what the mm. Bible says. What does the Bible say that we do about white supremacy? And I also heard her mention love. Can she provide me one example of when love was able to deal with an issue that was that was um, right. that was on the level of white supremacy and racial terrorism? Okay, I right. want to say I, this thing, when, and whenever you, for one, a Bible doesn't list white supremacy specifically. So that's okay, but you said that's fine. That's fine. You said okay, but you said because okay, you're gonna see, run around and I don't want to hear that. Because you're gonna run around and I don't want to hear that. I asked a very, I No, you won't shut your mouth. 
You won't stop You're being worrying. emotional. I'm okay, asking see? a question. Because you, because you I, every time that I let you answer it, you say that you didn't say it, and you didn't say that. Who said you gave me permission to speak? Who are you? That's your, your mentality is all wrong. Let me. I'm asking Bible, you a question, and you can't There's answer it. I'm asking, it doesn't no, matter. Do you know what everything no. means? Do you know, do you know what everything no, you know what all means? Do you know what to be quiet? Everything means everything. Everything encompasses everything. Everything encompasses all things. Uh, no, no, <laughs> what does that have to do with anything? What does it have to do with anything? Um, it is in context. Everything is pretty specific. Everything. Oh, maybe you should be more careful about the words you use. You said everything. So when I say the Bible... So the Bible you said everything. You said everything. Here's a revision. Oh, here's a revision oh, for you. Maybe you should have said the no, Bible. Here's a revision for you. Here's a revision. You need to learn how to you listen. You need to learn how to comprehend. You need to give a solution for some things that we deal with. That's what you should have said, but you said everything. Okay, so every aspect of our reality. Okay, every aspect of our reality. It's not interested in it. She'll never learn anything. She'll spend the rest of her life scared of some white person never really Okay, I'm I, 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 I muted y'all because y'all, you know y'all 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 gotta let each other talk. You gotta let each other talk, uh, so the audience so the audience can hear. I, I don't I don't want this to become a, a shouting match like some of the other um, you know the the other the other platforms. Now it's a pertinent question, and that question is: What solutions does the Bible contain for white supremacy and for racism? Uh, Cynthia, I still have I still have you on hold. I'm I'm gonna leave you muted. And I'm gonna let um, I'm gonna let Christina answer that question, and then I'll bring you back on after she answers, so you can respond. So, Christina, I'm unmuting your mic right now. Okay, I I apologize for that. It's just I feel like I just want to say that's something really brief. Yeah, yeah, that's, 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 that's fine. But that's fine. yeah, no, because I feel that that's rude, and that's a problem we have. See, one of the things in life is people got to learn how to listen with the intent of trying to understand what the other person is saying. But when you only hear what they're saying just so you can rebut and try to pick apart their argument, you're not actually listening in a spirit to learn. Now, we can disagree. That's fine. But she's disrespectful. You don't have to agree with my analysis. You don't have to agree with my opinion. But I don't know you from Adam. So to come on here and just disrespect a stranger because you don't agree with their opinion shows a height of ignorance. Now, one of the things you have to apply is realistic. We talked about logic. When I say the Bible talks about every aspect of your humanity, I could take it so far and be real ignorant and say, oh, it don't have your name in there. It don't have the word CVS in there, so it really ain't talking about everything. That kind of stuff is ridiculous. The concept of race and color wasn't something that was prominent at that time. So no, it's not going to have the phrase white supremacy. But what it talks about mm-hmm. is how we're supposed to treat one another. And the Bible does teach us, if you look at it, a lot of times the Bible doesn't have, like, if this happens to you, this is how you deal about it. It tells us how to handle life through story. You know what I'm saying? So mm-hmm. the only time it really, not only time, but there are times in it, like in the book of Proverbs, when it tells us how to deal with this, how to deal with that. But my thing is racial terrorism and white supremacy, where do I see it besides on the television? When you walk through your everyday life, who is terrorizing you? Now, if somebody's actively, physically harming you, then you have a right to pick up a weapon and defend yourself. I'm for that 100%. But that's not what's happening. Mm-hmm. What we're dealing about, police brutality, that needs to be dealt with on a case-by-case basis. That, to me, it is not as big as a problem as the media makes it out to be. Now, I know she's going to come in here screaming, calling me all kind of names, and that's fine. And I, and I know you're going to mute my mic. But the thing about it is, where is the racial terrorism when people walk through their everyday life? How many of us really know how many people been killed by, know somebody been killed by a cop? We don't know nobody. That's my point back to the black church. That's what I was saying earlier. That's my problem. 
gonna have to stop you right there, Christina, because I, I I do like my my wife's uncle was shot in the back by by police, so so that that that's not true. Let me say this to what to what you just stated, and that's this this idea that you know that there's this white supremacist boogeyman. I do think that we have those who who stoke um, the white the, the very real issue of white supremacy as a means to, to to you know to empower themselves. However, that does not mean white supremacy does, itself does not um, a, uh, present a clear and present danger. It's almost like a fish being in water. You know, you understand what I'm saying? And I think uh, what your assessment of um, you know, of white supremacy is missing is that is this idea that it is a system. It is a system. There, there cannot be a white person anywhere around, and white supremacy is it can can still harm you. I mean, let's let's look at Haiti for example. You see what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. White supremacy is a system, and and your assessment and others who come from your your ilk of thinking, like a Jesse Lee Peterson, they totally ignore the infrastructure of white supremacy. You see what I'm saying, and they act they act as if white supremacy is only dangerous and only present in its most overt form when it's in your face. You see what I'm saying, and I think that 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 is what uh, Cynthia G is, is is talking about now. I'm on I'm a, I'm going to unmute her mic. Can right I ask you? Quick. Can I ask you? Can I ask two questions real quick? And she can maybe she can answer these two questions now. I do have two questions. What do you define as white supremacy? Okay. Are you talking about in the context of America? Now, globally, that's a different story because you think about stories like Uganda, where Europe is doing a lot of countries, how they give them medication, mm-hmm. experimental medication in return for food and to keep them dependent on them for food and to take care of themselves so they can use these people as guinea pigs. That's a different story. Now, if you're talking about globally, what the way Europe has mm-hmm. treated Africa and now China's trying to do and the way Haiti's been treated and how the Clintons raped Haiti and, and took control of their stuff, that's a different story. Story. What I'm talking about is in the context of my everyday life in Detroit, Michigan. But I feel like you got to be more specific. You, did that make sense to you? Because I'm yeah, not. Yeah, I that mean, stuff I, is real. I understand what you're saying, but That's, but we have to we have to realize that that America is the America is the epicenter of white supremacy. America start uh, white supremacy became was fomented within America. White supremacy, in and of itself, is. Is a is is a means to an end. Like the, the those who concocted this i this ideology and this philosophy and this religion of white supremacy, un, they understand that it is a myth. It is a myth. They created white supremacy as a of form of social control, as a form Absolutely. of social control, so that they can so so that they can they can milk the clubs. You see what I'm saying? That that's what it, that's essentially what it is. But that does not mean it has not taken over a life of its, of its own. I mean, and I'm bringing Cynthia in now because now that I think I, I think about it, sis, and I and I say this with all due deference to you as a you know as a as a fellow um, you know individual, what you're saying is, is ridiculous when I put it within context. It's it's, it's absurd. And it I mean, right? But yeah, but we just had two black girls who were who, who, who were attacked. One of them was killed. By a white man that was racially motivated. That she doesn't care motivated. about that because she doesn't see it in her everyday life, and that's the fundamental issue with with this whole Christianity. Because it's funny that same Bible that she believes in actually speaks about people who doesn't have ears who can hear and eyes who can see, and she's one of them. 
And one of the, the second issues is, is that she's thinking on an individual mindset, although that same Bible talks about loving her people and taking on the interests of her people. So why am I hearing a, a Christian talk about because she doesn't see white supremacy in her individual life when she walks out of her door, that it is not affecting black people when she can simply type into Google racism data and she will see that every single aspect of this country is based on disenfranchising people who look like her. So maybe it's her own ignorance that's clouding her judgment. That's number one. Number two, I never called her a name. Number three, I never disagreed with her. I simply asked her to explain something that she repeatedly said, and I believe that her denial of white supremacy is simply because she can't answer the question. That's, that's um, also second, because she can't back up what she's saying. She said that right. the Bible gives you a solution for every aspect of your human reality. Your, uh, every aspect of your human re reality, white supremacy is a part of your human reality because the country was founded, built on white supremacy. And you can't rip something from its foundation and it still stands. So if America is still standing, white supremacy is still standing. Changing a law or two or three isn't going to do that, especially when the same white supremacists who write the law also enforce the law. So her ignorance is a problem, and Christianity isn't resolving that, and it's not resolving the, the issue of the black masses. So she can sit here and get offended and say somebody called her name, which I didn't. Don't get mad at me because you can't back up what you say. Maybe you should have a better choice of words then. Maybe you should say the Bible gives you a solution to some things, but I suspect that even if I asked her what solution did the Bible present for even two aspects of human reality, she wouldn't be able to answer that. When you have an employment industry that is based on race definitively that says if you are a black person, man or woman, it doesn't matter the gender, you are going to be treated very differently than white people. You are going to be disenfranchised. The murder, police brutality and murdering is based on your race. Sentencing for crimes is based on your race. Whether you get put in jail or let go is based on your race. Your um, insurance premium is based on your race. Your traffic tickets are based on your race. The schools you go to are based on your race. And when your mm -hmm. race is black, that means you get the shitty end of it every time. The fact that right. she chooses not to see that isn't, any in, isn't indicative of a flaw in what I'm saying. It's a flaw in her mentality. Don't blame me because, again, just like that Bible quote said, don't blame me just because you don't have ears that can hear and eyes that can see. That is your problem. And maybe, maybe you need to pick a different religion then. Because this one, Christianity, is not doing her any good at all. But I would feel like for her to answer my question, even if she feels like, how about let me shorten it for her, and we'll see if it's better for her to shorten it. Explain mm. what solutions the Bible gives you for 50% of, of your human existence, let's say excluding white supremacy then. I'll make it easier for her and see if she can answer that. I suspect that she won't be. Um, Christina, well, let me see. Is she still there? Yeah. I'm, yeah, oh, yeah, I'm right here. Oh, okay, still there. Oh, hold on, because I, hey, Kenya. Kenya. I want, I want, I, yeah, I want, I, I want to get you in right quick. Um, so, 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 what do you, what do you think? Like, what, what's, what's your, um, what's your opinion on it? Because I know you're someone who, who. Um, you know, comes from the Hebrew Israelite perspective, which is still, you know, based um, based in the Bible. Do or do you think there are concrete um, solutions in the Bible as it relates to white supremacy? Yeah, well, 
the the Bible says that they are our enemies and that um the most high is going to take care of them at an appointed time that we are not supposed to be able to do anything to overcome them. That according to Deuteronomy 28, we're under chastisement right now. Mm-hmm. And when it's over, the book of Obadiah says exactly what's going to happen to white people. Mm. Okay, I, okay, I see, I see, I see where you're coming from. I, um, that's I don't convenient agree with that for white supremacy, though. I don't either, because right. because that's a convenient solution for white supremacy. Because if black people are not doing anything in response to white supremacy, then guess what? White supremacy still gets to live, and it still gets to rise. And it still gets to benefit white people. Well, let me say this. I feel, not, see, my feel like the question is a, is a, well, the reason why I say it's a the bad question, because first of all, like I said, I do, what about, because see, uh, someone, no, because you're asking, okay, I'm going to ask you a question. No, uh, how, did, how, did, how does the sun suspend in the sky? Like some questions to me is a, it's a bad question. How uh, the Bible, are you really complaining? Are you see, really complaining science with religion? Are you seriously? First of what all, you did do is you tried to equate because you just no you did you just tried to equate how does the sun suspend in the sky to to religion that that makes no sense. Then no, no, don't insult my intelligence no, by no, giving me a false no, equivalent. No, they're no, a million of miles away from each other. You, listen, I give it. You're a, no. Let me say something. You're very good, but with you your can't. Very good with your mouth, and you're no because you ask. Okay, so, I'm giving you an example. I have, you can't. I, can I, you I, be quiet? I got you muted. Can, you she can say what you gotta say. Go ahead, go ahead, she, uh, she, Christina. She can't, right, dang, she can't be quiet. Now, my point is, is that to ask what does the Bible handle with white supremacy? That is a broad question because it doesn't list it specifically. And when I explain to her, listen, the Bible tells us to love one another is how we're supposed to treat each other with love and forgiveness. That's how we're supposed to treat each other. I'm talking about as far as other white people. I'm not talking about the onus on us. I'm talking about the onus on them to love and treat us with kindness and respect. And we are to treat well, other me, people with love, this. kindness, forget, and forgiveness. But can I finish? Can I finish real quick? But what I'm yeah, saying I'm is, as far as, part of, of white supremacy as a whole, she can say that I don't see it in my reality. I am a black person and I look very black. I'm around black people. I work around black people. I work around white people. Where is all this happening? I feel a lot of it is in people's heads because we see the inherent disadvantage between black people and white people. We automatically assume it's because of that solely. That's the root of it because white people were ahead of the race for us for so long. But the continuation of the disparity is not because of there's some white people out to get us. It's because of dysfunctional family and our mentality. You can tell that she's a person who has an inherent fear of racism. When you pick a job, they do this. Where's her proof of that? When you go to front of now the prison system, there is a disparage of black people in prison, but we commit 50% of the homicides. So when you would commit, commit such a high rate of the homicides, we're going to have a higher rate of us in prison. But when you go for a job, when you go for insurance, where's her proof for any of that? So I could just spot out a bunch of things, but she's not backing up any of her claims. She's just well, making me, a well, claim. Well, let me ask you I know people. Mm-hmm. Have you, do, do, are, you, are you familiar with critical race theory as an academic discipline? It's called, it's critical, no. it's, it's critical race theory. And this is the reality and again, uh, Christina, I say this with you know due deference to you, but no, for sure you uh, disagree with me. That's fine. Yeah, no. Right. Um, critical race theory, um, it it understands and it posits that even though you can break down the societal and economic and and even the systemic structures of white supremacy. White supremacy was white. The effects 
are are greater than the cause. You see what I'm saying? And and this is the reality of the social inertia that black people exist, uh, that that affect black people. It 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 it's it's cumulative. It's a cumulative thing because the reality is is that from from our time on this continent under uh, colonialism and and imperialism, we've been in the position of slaves of second of second class citizens. And I think it is disingenuous, even for Daniel Patrick Moynihan at that time, to suggest yeah. that what is ailing the black family is the black family. What we see ailing the black, the black family is an effect of the cause, which is systemic institutional white supremacy on on a macro level and white supremacy on a micro level. Just because we don't see white people engaging in white supremacy in our everyday lives in ways that are that are overt, they do it in ways that are that that are covert. This like this is this is what they do. I mean, look, how did we get affirmative action? We got affirmative action because the job market was racialized. That's why we got affirmative action. Like we just didn't get affirmative action just because, you know, they 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 just wanted to be nice one day. They got affirmative action because the job market is racialized. Do we even understand that the minimum wage was racial? They instituted the minimum that, wage for black yeah, men sure. out of the labor market. Right, but 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 this but this is what I'm saying. So uh, when you like when you make the statements that you that that you just made, I have to I have to categorize those statements as spurious at best. It's just just because just because I understand the history. Now I, I do also get what you're saying when we talk about the values and the mores that are dominant and prevalent within black society. I understand, I understand that. And it's something that I talk about a lot. Black people uh, by and large are demoralized and they are, they are, they are the most Americanized group in America. Black people are the most Americanized group in America. And that, and, and that is, um, you know, a, a major part of the problem that inhibits our, um, you know, our, our progress. I think so long as we have this mentality that says, um, you know, white supremacy, white supremacy, white supremacy, then we'll never really stand stand up and do what we need to do as a people, first starting with the men. I, I, you know, I made a post about this earlier when I said that if black men are waiting for racism to die out before they before they can actually get anything done and get a, and, and accomplish anything, well, then they might as well die now. Because what's the point? Because it, the fact of the matter is that racism isn't going anywhere. White supremacy isn't going anywhere. So eventually, regardless of whether white supremacy is existing or not, we're still our mandate as men is still the same and still must be be lived up to. You don't get to continue to make excuses into perpetuity because the fact of the matter is that the powers that be, they fully intend on dominating black people into perpetuity. And what's going to happen is black people are going to are going to become a a permanent underclass. This is something I talk about all the time, but I want you to hold on one second. Because hold on one second, I'm bringing Cynthia. Yeah. Yeah, hold on one second because I got a couple of callers. They've been holding for a minute, so I'm gonna bring them on and let them say what they have to say. Caller eight six zero. I'm bringing you on right here. Yeah, caller eight six zero. Um, you, you, I had to call you another time, man, because I had to start the show. Okay, 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 okay. I know who this is. All right, brother, that's fine. All right, they got. A, I got one more caller. 
Caller 314, I'm bringing you on. Yeah, hello, caller? You know, you, uh, this thing with this white supremacy is, is so oh, mythical. Is yeah, but let me tell you what the lady, the lady that kept talking over the other lady, Cynthia, to the other lady, the Bible does speak on things that would help. And, you know, she was right. There was no concept of no white supremacy during the time that these books was written. Matter of fact, it was just the opposite. It was black supremacy with the with the armies of Cush, Second Kings, 19 and 35. They whipped one of the formidable Persian army, actually the Syrians, in the world at that time. Another point. When... In the Old Testament, it tells you not to give your daughters to their sons and your sons to their do- your daughters. That that was telling you don't be interracially marrying. It said mm. do not do not go the ways of the people of the north. That was telling you to leave them down mulattoes alone. Go mm. when when in Rome, do as the Romans. It's a lot of things in that Bible that tells people. Things how they can better their life because that's what it was based on. People was writing things that they had experienced that quote unquote bettered their lives. Mm. God damn. Can I respond to that? <laughs> yeah, yeah, go ahead, Cynthia. No, I'm not going to be shouting okay, over this so, person. Uh, it was something else I wanted don't, to say. You don't need to. You don't need to. You need to let me respond to that because, first of all, the Bible is 2,000 years old, okay? The Bible mm. has a publisher and a copyright, okay? That's what the Bible has. That's number one. Number two, there is no evidence, really no concrete evidence. Actually, all of the evidence suggests that black people never went by a Bible, and they never even knew who Jesus were um, prior to white colonization. That's so true. that's number that's two. If you do the, it, is, it, it is true. It is true. And, I'll and tell I got something some some for all read, of them. Give, read, me, yeah. give me number three. So read the book, The Destruction of Black Civilization, and read the book, How to Make a Negro Christian. Read those two books, and then you tell me, and then you you go back and tell me there's no evidence because yes there are. Read the letter, read the letter to the missionary from King Leopold, where he's sitting in there and he goes into the Congo and he says verbatim, these people don't know who Jesus is. They never been to a church. They don't know what a Bible is. Go look up John um Colcock Jones. And look at what he says when he tells all of those plantation owners to make them into Christians. He says because they don't know who Jesus is. They don't worship. They don't go to church. They never read a Bible. So why is it that you have all of these different Europeans colonizing different parts of Europe saying the exact same things about the religion? In fact, they actually will tell you and quote by name who black people worship as a God, and it was never Jesus. So actually, um, again... You need to look up the history of Christianity and how that Bible got constructed together. That's what you need to you need to do, and that's what Christians don't do. And I spent most of my life being a Christian. Man, look, you letting her go on and off. getting away don't from her points. Don't, don't come me oh, off. Let's don't, don't get away from these points. My point. Don't cut me off because it is the point. It is the point because you just sat up there and talked to me about some When you get done, I got something for you. actually bears anything on When you get done, I got something for you. Like, okay, that, that's you better fine. Keep because talking. You, just gave your whole, you gave your whole spiel 
And just Keep when talking. I debunk your first thing, I'll debunk your second one. Because I already know, based off the first stuff you said, you don't have it right. You haven't even done your research. I already know from the first thing. I can actually completely disregard your second statement. Because just based off the first one, you don't even know what you're talking about. You've done no research. And you should have, because I know you're significantly older than me, probably by at least 30 years. So you probably should have done your research. And you didn't do it. So the bottom line is Keep the, talking. The, the Bible was put together by some Europeans. That's mm. just, just the reality. They cannot find a grave for Jesus or any of his disciples. So you're simply believing in a fairy tale that serves no benefit to you, that actually disables you. And by virtue of you being a Christian, you're actually a white supremacist. And that is why. Okay. Who in the hell is she called the Christian? Man, shut, would you move this woman? Did I ever say I was a Christian? I don't care what it is. You a damn Christian, liar. Hebrew, Israelite, whatever. Get well, okay. out of your feelings. Okay. Okay. I'm not going to go, go back and forth with you, sir. So get out of you your just make a lot of noise. About what you say that you are. You making a lot of noise. You don't know what you're talking about. That's fine. I can make noise. You are too. And you should be making less no- noise because you're older. So lead by example. Be an elder and show me how I should be acting by being silent. That's what you should be doing. Okay. Because you should have learned basic manners a long time ago to not cut people off. Man, when you cut this woman off so people can get on her point one and two, she made 15 minutes ago. You're acting like a child. You're acting like a child. Okay. Can I say something real quick? Hang on, let me get back with these points she made. Wait a minute, let me get back with these. Mrs. Siaki, I'm going to let you say what you got to say after Christina. What you got to say, Christina? Well, I want to say a couple things. Uh, First of all, what she said about Christianity was false. What happened is, is that a lot of times, let me back up. Christianity was used as a tool to exploit black people and to make us feel like white people were God. But that is not biblical. First of all, if you look at the book of Genesis, it talks about Cush. That's first of all. Second of all, there were Christian empires all throughout Africa well before European colonization. Christianity touched Africa well before it touched Europe. Read your scriptures. Turn to the no. First of all, you don't know what you're talking about. If you're only, if you're only, if you're if you can't control your show, I gotta go. Okay, if you can't control your show, I gotta go. Then I'm gonna let you go. I'm gonna let you finish. Let me say this really quick. I don't know if you like what this. Was the truth, the truth, it's true that the Bible was exploited, but she is totally ignoring the book. Actually, she is ignoring history. I wrote a paper in my class about this. Christianity spread cross-culturally, mm. cross-continentally, simultaneously, at, right after the, the day of Pentecost. The book of Acts talk about the man coming from Cush. When Philip talked to him, it talks about that. You had Christian empires all up in Nubia until the 13th century. She needs to open up a book instead of reading all this bullshit books she reads in order her to make her feel like white people out to get you. Actually read some real fucking history. Excuse me for saying that because she's saying a bunch of stuff that's not even true. But they had Christian monasteries in China by the 7th century. What are you talking about? They had Christianity all throughout Persia, all throughout India, and Europe was going at the same time, all throughout North Africa. When she fails to realize she's selective of what she reads, she only reads stuff to reaffirm her worldview. First of all, it was Islam that came on the scene and killed all the Christians throughout the Middle East, throughout mm-hmm. Africa, and throughout Asia. The largest Christian, the largest Muslim country is Indonesia. Now, how did, Christ, how did Islam get all the way to Indonesia? It's because they spread by the sword. Then later on, 
then later on it was used in the 17th and the 16th century used as a tool to control people but prior to that Christianity was all through Africa and the Middle East and Asia but it was the but Muslims that I, came I, behind I, I, and wiped them out that is great. a historical fact that is a historical fact right. so she don't know Hold what on, she's talking about let, let, let Mr. Tiaki say what he got to say right there let what, me what you, what you got to say? say. I never did say. I don't know what is this Cynthia got this mess about me being a Christian. I spent eight years going mm-hmm. in and out of tombs and pyramids in Egypt, all the way down to the first cataract where we did sight, sight digs at Hadi Wafa. For her to say, I don't know what I'm mm-hmm. talking about. She's crazy. I have over 2,000 books in my library. Another thing. Look on page 212 and 216 in Chancellor William, great work, The Destruction of Black his, uh, Civilization. It answers some of the questions, erroneous questions that you're throwing out to this other lady. Another fact, there was no patenting going on back during 2,000 years ago. So when you threw that in there as a side distraction of trying to legitimize what else you had to say after that, which is hard to remember because it was about 20 minutes ago that you went on 20 minutes, you're trying to deceive people. That's what you're trying to do. Another point, today as we talk, there's over mm-hmm. 15 million black Southern Baptists. You got mm-hmm. under Charles Blake, you got five to seven member, million members who's the member of the Church of God in Christ. In mm-hmm. Memphis, Tennessee, there's 50,000 of them. And I think you in St. Louis, when they came to St. Louis, they filled up all the hotels and restaurants around here. They brought in about 65,000 members. So all those members, and plus another three mm-hmm. to five million black Catholics, you going to tell those people that what they're doing is wrong? I would like to see you do that. They are the majority. You are a loud minority. Nobody pays you no mm-hmm. damn attention. You see how see how fast I went in getting my point across? Didn't take long at all. Right. Okay, well let me ask you let me ask you this, Mrs. Bianca, because do do you feel like the black church has failed the black community? The, listen, when you got fifteen million members that's member of the black Southern Baptist, you got another mm. five to seven members of the Church of God in Christ, three to five mm-hmm. million Catholics. Do do you think they will have enough sense to know if what they are attending and what they are subscribing to is a failure to them? Remember, you are a minority. You're black nationalists. All these other fringe groups, Republican, mm-hmm. they are a minuscule minority. That's all they are. Mm. They cannot put together the type of cohesiveness like Charles Blake has done. You can't do it. I'm not saying you can never do it, but I have never yet to see it. I, I haven't seen it done yet. Colleen that, House that, had a larger organization than Marcus Garvey. She had right. over 400. She, her membership was bigger than Garvey's. Garvey's movie mm. couldn't get off the ground in Jamaica. And all blacks mm. in the United States didn't go for that anyway. All blacks are right. not the same. And if they want to indulge in religion or whatever the heck they want to uh, feel that they need, well, here's the point. Why don't you create something better? Create something better that will draw them to you instead of talking about them. 
because presently they outnumber you. Nobody pays attention to you. Nobody brings you in to discuss these problems. They go to them because they are a representative of the greater population that you call black. This whole thing about white supremacy is a, is a myth. Whites don't think they better than anybody else. And white supremacy, when it comes down to economics, they lose all the time. Mm. That's all I, I got to say. Right, well, can I mean where they don't? Can, can I say oh. something to his point about the economic thing? Because oh, oh, the, the, hold on, guys. The most, oh, okay. Hold on a second. Okay. Hold on a second. Um, Kenya. Yeah. Um, I need you to I need I need you to uh take the lead right quick. I got I got an emergency I got to deal with. Okay. Well, what I want to say about the whole thing is I wasn't I wasn't prepared to argue the merits of the Bible. I thought that the show was supposed to be about has the black church done anything for the black community? And it seems like we've gotten away from what we originally were supposed to be talking about. Um, I mean... I don't, I don't want to merit. I don't want to argue the merits of whether you believe in the Bible or not. The fact of the matter is, is that the people who do believe in the Bible have been supporting the Black Church with millions and millions of dollars, and all I see are pastors misusing funds, buying um, jet planes and mansions and all of that. Meanwhile, they have members who are catching a bus or catching a ride with each other carpooling to get there and give people who are dealing with much more money than they ever will handle all of their hard-earned money. And that's what I think is a shame. They know and see that the people who are supporting their congregations, their ministries, all their extracurricular activities are doing well, and the people who are supporting them are not. You know, they're riding around in, in nice cars. Their children are going to college. And there are people who are suffering that are, are giving them all the little money that they have that they need to keep for their families so that they can make it. That's what I think is the shame. You know, I don't know. It, would, it doesn't even have to be a, a religious organization. Any black organization that is constantly taking from people money, whether it's donations or fees or whatever they want to call it to get the money from you, and then not pouring that back, back into the community is a problem for me. Anybody want to chime in? I mean, I, I, I that was kind of that that was kind of where I was um kind of where, how I was kind of getting there earlier. Is I feel like that they're not doing enough. I feel like the church as a whole isn't doing enough to actually teach people the principles to help better their life. That was my initial premise, you know, when uh, he asked me to do, to comment on, to call, to call in as on the show. I just feel like it's not enough being done to teach us the principles that can help our everyday life. That's when I have brought that up because the context of white supremacy, and, you know, I, of course there will always be racism because of the way our country was founded. Class was based on your physical appearance. So whenever you create class based on physical attributes, those are going to linger well after the Emancipation Proclamation and Civil Rights Act. You're gonna, that's going to linger for some time. But I feel the damage that was done to us was psychological because that's where I was getting at. If I could convince you mentally that I could control and manipulate you and you can't do anything unless I give you the space and the permission to do so, 
then I don't have to do anything. We, we're out the game mentally. So to me, the bigger issue are the mental effects that are still being done to us. And many of these churches perpetuate and push this idea that our biggest issue is white supremacy because it gives them power. That's how, that's how I feel because it gives them power because there's no, like the, the highest earner group in America are Nigerians. So if it was all about white supremacy and racial terrorism, then how come Nigerians and Botswana and Americans are doing so well? Why do they come to America and they do so well? It's because they're not mentally out the game. They don't see themselves as needing white people's permission to succeed in life. So when you go on and on about white supremacy, you're ultimately saying you're inferior and you need their permission and their esteem and for them to provide the space for you to succeed. And my thing is that's bullshit. I don't, that's how I feel. I don't need nobody's permission. I don't need nobody to give me space to succeed. I could do it myself because nobody's in my way. But when we constantly tell them, we take a little black child teaching them white supremacy, white supremacy, they already feel like I can't do nothing. We're a higher percentage of us in poverty. We're a higher percentage of us having all these problems. And then I tell them, white people out to get you, white people out to get you. They're going to feel like, why should I try? Why should I get up and bust my ass and get into positions of authority? Why should I try? Because at the end of the day, the white man got his boot on my neck and I can't do nothing. To me, that's the biggest problem, and the idea of white supremacy. That's how I feel. Well, how are black people supposed to raise our children then? Because, you know, you don't have to teach them that white supremacy is your boogeyman, but, you know, there definitely are race soldiers who are targeting our, our men especially, but also our women. And you, you can't just, I mean, it seems like you're saying that if we don't talk about it, it won't affect us, but that's that's not the best way to prepare your children. You have to you have to prepare them to navigate the the white supremacy and the racism that is everywhere. Well, I you know I'm not saying don't talk. I'm sorry. I mean, no, I'm not saying don't talk about it, but I'm saying we have to have a have a holistic conversation. See, I have children, and when I talk to them about race, I give it to them the big picture. I explained to them the transatlantic slave trade, why it happened. And, see, I, I feel like sometimes when we fall into the trap of feeling like white people was out to get us or it was, that was the reason behind this transatlantic slave trade and the racial system, it makes black people, to me, feel some sense of inferiority. But when we realized the reason behind it was money and it simply it was, we were convenient, and, some of, and, of course, it's true, our ancestors didn't know what they were selling us to, but you had the Arab slave traders, and our ancestors sold us for money because that was a business on the continent. When we explain it like that, and then after that, in order for them to maintain that power, they had to set up a class structure based on personal appearance. And then they taught that to their children. And I believe in teaching to my kids from a holistic sense. So I'm not saying ignore, but I'm saying don't give it more power than it actually has. And I feel like we give it so much power that we put a fear in our kids. Like, I remember I went through a really low point in my life, and I was on the bus. And it was this man who was younger than me. I'm 32. And he was like, man, these white folks won't let us get nothing. And me and another guy was like, dude, you could do anything. You can, you could do anything with your life. So he had such a fear. It's a difference between being aware of something because of the human condition and then being totally afraid to the point of paranoia where it's like they ought to get me. As soon as I walk into a room full of white people, I'm already looking around knowing that somebody's plotting on me. And I feel like some people, it rises to that level, and then they, come, they take themselves out the game. That's, that's where I'm going with it. Okay, I'm back. Okay. Hey. 
All right. Um, Were you I, able to hear what was being said? Or no, 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 no. I had to step out. Um, I have caller 504. I'm bringing you on right quick. Hey, greetings. Yeah, I'm calling from. Greetings, greetings. I'm calling from New Orleans, Louisiana. Mm-hmm. And I was just I was just enjoying the uh, conversation. And I want to add this about uh, the, the sister was speaking about groups like Nigerians and so on and so forth. And, and we must understand mm-hmm. this fact. Every black immigrant group or any immigrant group that comes to this country is coming into a situation provided for them by African-American people. Many of these black immigrant groups, when they come here, uh, even as professionals, many of them get jobs in historically black colleges and universities. Uh, they, uh, the, the, the freedom of movement as a black person that they can do was because of the sacrifice of black American people here. So we must never forget uh, the unique struggle, the African-American struggle for freedom, dignity, and equality to me, is the most unique story in human history of a people to be free. And I don't think we fully appreciate that history. Mm. Well, let me, well, let me ask well, you think, this. Do you, yes. do you think um, the black church has failed the black community? Uh, no. We, black, see, we have to understand that the black church consists of black people. Black people overall wherever they are on the planet, are miseducated. Carter G. Whitson wrote a book in the 30s, The Miseducation of the Negro. So whatever institution that we're trying to maintain, we must keep in mind that we're trying to operate it from a a, a large part of misinformation about things. I wouldn't say Mm -hmm. the black church has failed failed the black community. I I would just say the black church, uh, like other proto-institutions in our community, have suffered because of black people's uh, desire to go into other people's spaces. Mm. You know, we 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 have kind of like I was thinking of that thinking of that just the other day. We were a stronger group of people before the civil rights movement than we are today. We couldn't have a civil rights movement today because we're like more disintegrated among the dominant population. The only reason why civil rights movement was successful was because we had strong networks across the country, fraternal organizations, mm-hmm. schools, colleges, church. The church was the place where organizations met and money was raised. Much right. of that that's has what, been disintegrated. Yes. That's the, that, the, I mean, that is, the, that is the, the basis of the question. When we juxtapose the, the church today as it, ex, uh, as it exists, to the church back then, there's there's been a clear deviation. There's been a, there's been but a clear but I wouldn't I wouldn't I wouldn't analyze the church out of isolation from the from the the overall socialization of the black community. You see what I'm saying? But the same question has has to be: Has the black HBC, has the HBCUs failed us? It's, so it's, it, we can't take these things in isolation from other things. Is what I'm saying. Right, but the, but the difference but the difference with the church and the rest of the community is that the church purports itself to be ambassadors, ambassadors of Christ. They, they purport themselves to be the the pillar of morality, of integrity, of forthrightness, and all these other different uh, concepts that exist in, that exist in the abstract. And when we look at 
what the church professes based upon how, what the church actually is, then it's either very hypocritical or it's it's deviated or it has failed in its mission. It both both of those can't be true. You see what I'm saying now? Something I wanted to address before I had to, before I had to go take care of uh take care of that emergency right quick is you know is is this thing with Christianity and with with religion. I understand that there can be an argument made for the African origins of Christianity. And I, I understand that, and, and the reason the reason why is that uh, Christianity, in and of itself, is a is a pagan religion. It's a revisionized Eurocentric concept of um, of African principles. If you really want to, if you really want to get down to the truth of it, I mean, even when we start talking about the Abrahamic faiths, all we're all we're actually talking about is super is superstitions that are centered and organized around. Um, you know, the worship of celestial bodies. That's all we're really talking about. All we're really talking about is astrology. If we really if we really want to get down to the nitty gritty of it. So I, I just wanted to I just wanted to put that out there. Um so call of uh, matter of fact, I saw the blackboard. The blackboard wanted to come on and, and make a comment. Call a five zero four, finish your thought and then I'm gonna bring her on. Oh no, I just wanted to say that uh uh black people all around the world have been under the uh, seductive power that is, you know, whites have presented themselves like they are the model human being, that everything they do is the correct way. And I think that black people in the world, not just in America, when we talk about these immigrant groups coming in from other countries, they just just messed up, okay? Uh, white people, we look at how they do things, and we feel that mm-hmm. that is the way to do it. And I think that's where many of our institutions have strayed away because we try to emulate what they do, but what they do is not tailored for our particular situation that we need. You see what I'm saying? And mm-hmm. so that's where you lose. Well, that's where you lose focus. That's where you lose focus. So, for example, if you have the, the televangelists become the popular thing in the '80s, then we started having black ministers wanting to emulate the television ministries that they saw their white counterparts do. Okay. All right. Um. All right. Caller five zero four. I appreciate you calling. Let me get. Let me get this next call in. I guess Cynthia had to run. Um. Oh no. Wait. She's still here. Hello. Yeah, Cynthia. Yeah. Oh yeah. Hold on one second. Let me yeah. get this. It's another. Yeah. Hold on. It was. It was another caller. Okay. This is the blackboard. <laughs> okay, blackboard. I'm bringing you on right quick. Yeah. Caller five five ten. Yes. Hey. How you doing, Amiri? How you doing, Cynthia? How you doing? I'm good. 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 I'm very good. We have Christina on the line, too. Oh, yes. Christina, how are you? How are you? Good. How you doing? Good, good. Let me quickly quickly answer. Oh, Kenya, I'm sorry. Okay. Hi, everybody. How y'all doing? I'm Uh, so glad glad to talk with you. Um, Let me first say, Amiri and Kenya, I praise God for both of you because your show is so very much needed in our community. It brings hard topics to talk about, to bear, and it gives us a chance to try to discuss them in a a proper forum. So I thank God for, for both of you, and I also feel that this is probably one of your most important shows that you could ever do. So now let me answer the question. Has the black church failed the black community? Yes. 
Okay. Now, mm. let me let me take one quick sidebar and then I'll come come back very quickly. I okay. am a Christian, a professing Christian. I have not always been I, I lost my faith for about 6 or 7 years because of the way I saw mm. black people being treated and because I felt that God didn't care. What was clear in my mind is that hell exists and I didn't want to go there. So I literally ranted and raged at God, and I used very colorful, raw language when I spoke. And I said, basically, do you effing see what we are going through? Do you effing see that we are praising you all the time and saying how good you are, and you have done absolutely nothing for us? And we live in poverty. We're being killed every single day. You don't seem to care about this. We have been through the atrocity of slavery, a specific type of slavery, a very unique type of slavery that had not existed before. We went through all of that, still praising your name, and you don't give a fuck about us. Okay? And this is what I said, actually, to him. And at the same time, I said, I don't want to go to hell, but I don't love you. I don't trust you. And I don't even like you. I don't want to hear your name at all. Okay. Uh, To make a very, very long story short, he got to me one way. Okay. And he got to me through political conversations I was having with my hairdresser, who was also a Christian, but did not know I had stepped out. Through those political conversations, he led me to talk. Uh, let, he uh, played something for me where a pastor was talking about exactly what I was talking about. This led me to start reading the Bible for myself, and I was enraged. And I brought all of it to God. And I said, I'm going to be mm-hmm. like David. I'm not going to hide anything. You know I don't like you. you no, know I don't love you. You know I don't trust you. You know, I'm enraged about my people. And so you show me in this damn book of yours, you just show me where you give a fuck about us. Just show me. Mm. Okay? Mm. And so when I went through that, which took me about four years to do, what I came out with were three very important things. Number one, Mm. life is not a gift. Life is not a gift. Salvation is a gift, but life is not. Each one of us was created. Created. We come here through our parents, but we were created by God himself to be with him. And we can reject that life if we want to. And so life Mm -hmm. is not a gift. It is a test. It is an Mm -hmm. open book test. You can get as many people to help you as you want to. The one book you should be reading is his Bible, but you can get as many people to take it as you, as you want. It is past fail. There is no grading on the curve, and you take it only one time, just once. Number mm. two, even though we are in the form of a human being, this is simply a bodysuit. Some people Mm -hmm. get attached to their bodysuits, such as white people. And because (laughs) everyone is being tested, because everyone Mm -hmm. is being tested, the tests come in very specific ways. So some people are living in a gilded cage. They have everything they want to eat. 
they get married and they don't think anything else about it. They think that people who are poor and impoverished did it to themselves. Yes, some people do do it to themselves. But for most people, there is some outlying thing that made that happen. Some people he gave a directive to take that Bible forward to the world and, 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 and uh, uh, evangelize the world for Christ, get everybody to come, get everybody to come, because he doesn't want one mm. single person to fail. Those people took that and used it to oppress other people. Guess what? Guess what? The mm. data shows they're paying for it right now. And they will pay for it even more. Why is it that whites have a much higher suicide rate than blacks? Why mm-hmm. is it that it, with the smallest little uh, thing that takes them off their center, they all lose their minds? Okay? Uh, why is it that uh, they claim to be Christian but care nothing about blacks who are the most Christians mm-hmm. of all the Christians? Okay? Mm-hmm. They will pay for that right now. We don't have to wait. It's already being taken care of. So number two, we are a spiritual being in a human body suit. Most people, is, you know, get trapped in the, in, the, in the body suit part, and they don't focus mm-hmm. on the spirit. And the things we are discussing are of the spirit, okay? And here is number three. When I got to that point, I said, well, where do black people fit into this? Now, let me Mm -hmm. take a sidebar before I make this final statement. One of the things that I love is samurai movies and Japanese movies, uh, kung fu movies and all that. And you say, why? Well, because it has taught me that there are more than one way to look at something. There's more than one way to look at something. And a recurring theme in samurai movies and things like that is that the powerful are often weak, and those who appear to be weak are often powerful. So I said, well, where do black people fit into this? And why do you put all of this on us? And why is there all this chastisement on us? Over and over and over again, I kept coming back to the way he treated his own son, that he put all of our sins all of our sicknesses, all of our uh, desperation, everything on his son, that his son was whipped and scourged, that he was broken, that his son came to be a servant to that Mm. which he himself had created, okay? And I came away with black people, descendants of slaves, knowing what it is to be broken, literally, physically having our bodies broken, having our spirits shattered, having our hearts broken, having our family torn apart, et cetera, et cetera, okay? We, more than any people on the face of the earth, should understand what Christ did and what he is, is currently doing now. We are in the best position to benefit from everything that he is doing. And to answer Cynthia's question, mm-hmm. neither the term race or supremacy is mentioned in the Bible, but the root causes of these things are. This is greediness, selfishness, pridefulness, laziness, ignorance, and self-aggrandizement. 
the Bible speaks over and over and over again what will happen to those people who fall into those traps. And again, it's already happening. So I say I understand black folks who want to walk away from Christianity. I understand black folks who are enraged with God. But I say this, please do what I did. Go to him in your enraged state. Don't feel like you have to to pretend anything with that. He knows your thoughts already anyway. He knows the murmurings of your heart. Go to him yourself, just as I did where you are right now, and tell him, show me. Show me, and he will, because we don't have much time left. And my work is dedicated to bringing us back to him so that we do not perish eternally. And that's it. Mm. Okay, I appreciate your um I appreciate your call. Um she 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 said she said uh she said a mouthful. I you know, I don't necessarily uh, I I've concluded that the religious route and and things of those nature are really a distraction at a distraction at this point. Really? Um, I'm, like, I'm about logic, I'm about logic and reason. And as I've stated, it seems that black people are the only people who who try and use these these religious concepts and metaphors literally. And as a result of that, we stay on the bottom, man. We we stay on the bottom. The Asians, the Chinese, they have their you know their religious religious tenets and everything. But guess what? They got with they got with the program and, and and now they're in prime position to be to be the next world superpower. They wasn't waiting around like you know waiting for for Buddha to come back like pie in the sky and do something for them. You see what I'm saying? And I think that that is the biggest issue that I have uh, with you know with with you know rel- this these religious zealots. And I and I don't say that to be demeaning to be demeaning or discouraging. You know I understand that you know religion carries carries a certain amount of value, you know what I'm saying, in, in your faith system and uh, your value system. But ultimately, at the end of the day, it boils down to what are we prepared to do as a as a people. Um, something that Christina said. Christina, you're still on the line, aren't you? Because I think your, your call had dropped. Christina, you still there? I'm here. I'm right here. Oh. Okay. Yeah, can you hear me? I, I don't, yeah, I can hear you. I don't buy into okay. this idea that that black people are on the bottom and white people are on the top because white people are somehow morally superior and they and because their families are somehow more cohesive than uh than black families the fact of the matter is they're in the position they're in because they're benefiting from the system of in institutional and structural imbalance that is placed on black people you see what i'm saying and i think that that is the biggest that is the biggest issue that exists when we have these kind of conversations. And like I said before, it's not to say that, you know, some of those things don't have merit because I do believe that, that there has to be a, um, a revival of, of moral ethics within the black community in order to actually get something, get something done. But what I won't do is, is acquit white supremacy or, or shine a light away from white supremacy and put it on something that is an effect of the cause of white supremacy. Now, Mr. Tianchi, he, he said something about white supremacy being a myth. I just want to state this, that it was Dr. Kessler. I can't remember his first name, but he's doc, he was Dr. Kessler. He was the, the dean of, of Morehouse. He was, you know, he was uh, Martin Luther King's dean when, he, when Martin Luther King was in school. And it, it, is, it is that Kessler who first described white supremacy as a religion. 
You see what I'm saying? He was the first one that I could that I could find that described white supremacy as as a religion. And I think what we do is we conflate white supremacy with white um you know with white extremism. White supremacy can be benevolent. That that's the that's the irony of it. White supremacy can be benevolent, but a white person can be can be nice to you, but still feel like they're superior to you because they're white. That is white supremacy. They don't have to, they don't have to be demeaning and be uh, malevolent in order for them to be a white supremacist. I think this is what confuses a lot of black people. They can smile on your face every day and still be a white supremacist. You see what I'm saying? Black people are simply making excuses. That's that's just the reality. Mm-hmm. They're making excuses because of passivity, because the reality of it is, is Christianity has yet to do one thing to be- benefit the black community, and it's not going to. But I want to read something really quickly for those people, specifically Christina, who is trying to val- tell me to validate the Bible by reading the Bible. And that just illustrates the lunacy. I'm really starting to believe that a lot of people, black people suffer from religious psychosis. But just to, sit, just, just to break up their little argument about it always being in, in Africa, I, I want to read something from an African about Christianity. Because the bottom line of it is, is most black people don't do research, and I can just tell by what they're saying they didn't. Um, because this is actually talking about Christianity. And it says, there are some who may be wondering about Egyptian and Ethiopian so-called Christianity. Unfortunately, space doesn't allow us to fully explore the shoddy scholarship of those who at all costs want to link Africans with this foreign atrocity, meaning some of the Christians in this country today who simply want to rigidly suggest that black people were already, already Christians and they weren't. It says, ironically enough, both of these aberrations begin to flourish right at the time the traditional ways of those countries begin to lose their footholds politically and culturally, meaning when they were invaded. We should know that Timid began Egypt shortly after the 25th dynasty or around 700 B.C., according to the Gregorian calendar. From about 700 B.C. to 200 A.D., according to the Gregorian calendar, they were invaded by Persia. And it's interesting how Christina sat here and said, oh, well, Christianity was all over in Persia. The Persians are white. They invaded Kemet. That's why Christianity was in Persian, because it's a European religion, and that's why the Europeans had it over in Persian. But let's continue. It was, um, they were invaded by Persia, Macedonia, Assyria, Greece, and Rome. Mm-hmm. By 300 to 400 A.D., according to the Gregorian calendar, Kemet was Egypt in color, mindset, and worldview. The traditional ways of Ma'at, Tehuti, Amun-Ra, and the like finally gave way to the fictional make-believe Jesus. All of the priests were either killed, had fled, or became handmaidens of the foreign invaders. Therefore, the spiritual system was fragmented, corrupted, and broken down. We must remember that what we now call Christianity is a hodgepodge of Gracian philosophic thought, Mesopotamia ontology, and badly, badly fragmented um, comedic wisdom, just to name a few countries. The same holds true for the quote-unquote Ethiopian Christianity and the axiom destruction of their traditions ushered in by King Izana. And it says, um, they're quoting a book where they'll tell you where to get that information is. It said, um, ancient civilizations of Africa 
Hence, at the traditional spiritual system of Ethiopia around 100 to 300 A.D., hence at a war that took place, and shortly after this time, the new hodgepodge makeshift belief system, now labeled Christianity, took over for close to two millenniums. Even in the destruction of black civilization, where he's, they're quoting that book where they also got information from. So no, Christianity was not. According, not only was Christianity not an African religion according to Europeans, but it was also not one according to, to Africans. I actually know Africans who are Christians, and they will even tell you, no, Christianity was not our religion. It was never our religion. We didn't do it. So the thing of it is, is if they were actually doing the research, and again, I, I spent most of my life being a Christian. So this isn't me sitting here trying to va- validate something that I just want to believe. I want to believe the truth. I want to believe the reality. And all evidence I- says... Christianity was never our spiritual system. It wasn't Hebrew Israelite. It wasn't um, Judaism. None of none of that was it. was was our our religion until they were invaded by out, outsiders. That is just a reality. And now you don't have to face reality. I'm not even telling anybody believe what you want to believe. You can believe whatever you want to believe. My thing of it is is even if Christianity was true and my soul is dependent on my belief in it, you can best believe I'm going to make sure it's legit. You can best believe okay. anything that my soul is dependent on, I'm going to research it and make sure it's true. And Christians don't do that. Can I can I say something? <clears throat> let me let me say this. I think one of the I think what makes Cynthia think that her sources are trusted and mine aren't. Because to assume you like, I think that's the Bible. Like, you don't have any sources. You told me to read Acts and Deuteronomy. What are you talking about? See, I did not say anything about Deuteronomy. Now, first of all, I, yeah, I did not disrespect her. Let, let me say, this is oh, I feel like this is a bigger problem. And she is like to insult people. Now, I did get a little rude. Now, I apologize for that. But at the gate, she hollering at me. She attacked trying to attack my intelligence versus attacking the No, I asked human. you to so clarify I, your point, and you didn't want to. Look at me being rude. Can't even let nobody finish. I let you finish, and then when I respond, I didn't respond in a disrespectful manner. I'm simply having a conversation with somebody. Now, my point is that people look at different sources, and so it's the issue of do you trust your sources or do I trust my sources? So to assume just I don't think like what are your sources? Excuse me. Actually, I, I wrote a paper about it. Can I finish? Can I finish speaking? I did a research paper talking about it. I did, one of the things I read is I had several books. One is The Silk Rose. When you look, the book is talking about how Christianity spread East. Now, that's one part of the book. That was the whole book. It was talking about the history of the East. Because a lot of times when we look at history, we look at history from a Western European perspective. Because you said the Europeans said this. Why would you trust the sources of people who hate you? Neither of my sources are from Europeans. They're actually from black people. Neither of my sources are from Europeans. I I actually quoted you. You can't listen. You cited King Leopold, sweetie. He is not black. He's European. You King Leopold. And a lot of these people. I said go read his his letter to the missionaries and how he said when he went to the Congo, he noticed that none of them were Christians. Why would he lie? So he's going to lie and say turn these people into Christians, but they're already Christians. But go ahead and turn them into Christians anyway. You don't really finish. No, because you don't let anybody finish. First of all, you're right. I should trust your source over mine. Then we say Africa and black people. Africa is a continent. There's lots of different parts. No, Christianity wasn't in Southern Africa. It wasn't in Eastern Africa, but it was. It, it, it wasn't was, nowhere it wasn't in But it, yes, it was. It, they talk about it in a book of Acts. Not, not prior to invasion. No, it wasn't. Because Christianity <laughs> is an English word, so they would have never even called it Christianity. So what are you talking about? 
you, you mean no, to tell me Africans prior to European colonization was referring to those oh, people in an English name? Christina, it sounds like you're breaking up really bad. Yeah, she is breaking up really bad. Hello? Hello? You yeah. are breaking up very fast. Yeah, you're breaking up bad, Christina. I can hear you a little. Phone breaking up. Hello? Yeah, you're breaking up really, really badly. Can you hear me now? Yeah, I can hear you now. Okay. Am I the only person who heard her tell me to reference the Bible? Am I the only person who heard that? Because last I checked, she told me to react. Yeah, like she never gave me any source except the Bible to validate okay, the Bible. Okay, can I see? Um, but first, okay, okay go, go so ahead. Let, let her finish I, right quick, then. Can I finish? Okay. This is the problem. Is let me say this about myself. I don't. I'm not like her. I don't sit here and scream and holler and yell at people. I sit and have conversations with people, and I'll give them time to answer. No, I'm not going to sit there and scream and yell over people. I don't do that. But to sit there, I did not just say the book of Acts. The Christianity is European and all this hodgepodge and all these different things we say. From the source itself, that is not true. Christianity did not start in Europe. It started in Jerusalem. And and, and there's plenty of evidence. And then you're just talking about black and white people. Like black and white people are the only people that exist. You had Christianity in other parts of the world all throughout India. And then you talk about the Persians are white. Persians are not white. If you look at Persian people right now, they don't look white to me. The oh existence, they don't look white are to me. The Persian, Persian, are, Persian, you, are you serious? Persians are white. Persians are not white. Persians are not white. They're classified as white. anymore. She's not in reality. And I don't talk to people who aren't in reality. So she's not in reality. You don't need to address me. You don't have to talk to me. You don't need to address me. I don't need to address you. You can address somebody else. You can address somebody else. I don't talk to people who are not in reality. Something going on with somebody audio. Oh, I can barely. Hold on a second. Who are you? I can address who I want to address. Okay, that, that's yeah, fine. She's cutting out. She doesn't need to address me. Address somebody else. Talk to Kenya or Mary because as, as of now, you don't exist to me anymore because you're not in Christina, reality. So. I, I muted your mic because you, you, you I, I, muted, I muted your mic because you're breaking up really bad. Get your lines fixed and then I'm going to bring you back on. But I got another caller. Let me see what they're talking about. Yeah, okay, uh, big, yeah, big, big, big J here. Now, I'm going to ask this question. Oh, my God, really? Yeah, 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 yeah. It's me. Oh, God, I am God. Now, um, so are you telling me. I don't know why you're here, big J. No, are you saying, though, uh, black people uh, should not be Christian? Or is the argument is Christianity was never was, was never was part of African history? So if, if, if we're going to use your logic, so are you telling me in 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 800 BC and in uh no BC were were the foundations of of uh, Ethiopian Judo Christian beliefs in Ethiopia? I just read you the timeline, Big J. So you shouldn't be asking me questions about a timeline. Oh, well, I just well, well, I, well, I just well I just got on here, so uh, you can. You well, know, were you listening? And, to and, 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 and what about Saint 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 Augustine? What about Saint Saint what about Saint Augustus? What about Constantine? Who? What about Constantine? No, no, we we ain't talking about Constantine. I'm talking about Saint Saint Augustus. What about the Constantine? But I think I, I think I think the question is, Big J. The question the question is, has the Black Church failed the Black community, ir- irregardless of the of its um religious content? 
what ha- how has it benefited black people politically, economically, spatially, socially? How has the black community benefited the bl- I mean, how has the black church benefited the black community? What have you done for me lately? Uh, the black church has never been benefited the black community for for the past uh, 40 years. Uh, so, you know, it never been have it ever. Uh, Big wait, J, when have it ever benefited the black community? Oh, my God. You, Big, you, 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 somebody who, who's within black culture you know what? You know what? I'm talking to Mr. Brown. I ain't talking to you. On several different occasions, you brought me up in conversation. So you don't get to run just because you can't answer the question. If you can talk about me when I'm not on here, then you can talk about me when I'm on here. Until me, you have a one-on-one. Then, uh, no, uh, uh, until we have one on one on neutral platform, then I'll talk to you. When are you going to answer the question, though? <laughs> you still didn't answer the question. I mean, I mean how, many, how many slave slave revolts uh, started from, from from a black church somewhere? South, South Carolina? Mm, that's not a Charleston. benefit. No, 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 no. Got one in South Carolina that that's helped start slave revolts. See, see Y'all got y'all got yeah, to start those, learning those, some those history instead of just sitting there saying it never never happened. Why why are you telling me things never happened when there are things that have happened in history? Louisiana slave revolt in eighteen eleven. Where were you on this part? Big Jay, that was over a hundred years ago. Those, those that was over wait, 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 hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on. You're moving the goalposts. First, first, first of all, first of all, you talking about talking about. This you talking about something happened two thousand years ago. Now, 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 if I bring up goddamn oh what happened in eighteen eighteen eleven, I don't, oh, I don't believe that was a long time ago. Get I, out I don't here, believe Cynthia. that was a benefit. I don't believe that was a benefit, Big J. How about that? I'm gonna have to, I'm gonna have to go to the next caller, Big J. I appreciate you calling. <laughs> I got one more caller because we down to the we down to the last three forty minutes, but I'm I'm probably gonna stay on longer. And and you know do the thing on the Google Hangout anyway. But call a four zero four. Yeah, yeah. I'm I'm gonna be quick, man. Uh, shout out to Big J for calling. Uh, what he was trying to get at, I think so, is we can't confuse religion uh, for you know what it is at its face value. Religion is a vehicle. Mm-hmm. It's about how you use it. So during other eras where we were less confused, we use religion to you know plot against the master. Uh, think about revolts. Uh, child care, uh, community building, uh, bartering as far as bringing all your farming goods together. So, the, you know, the church was a really important thing at that time because at that time we had an understanding that the church and the, your religion are supposed to serve you as opposed to being subservient to the religion. So I, I understand what y'all are talking about in saying, okay, this thing is not working. Uh, this has not been something that we can look at as a beacon right now. But I would say that's just based on the right now, because in the past we have used it. And, and it's not just the slave revolts where it was used. 
It was also post-Reconstruction, post-Jim Crow, where, I mean, that was, you know, not only community center, but it was also, you know, it was your business center. It was your place where, you know, important things were discussed, people were married, all those other things. And they also understood that their Christianity and the Church of England's Christianity were not the same thing. Somewhere along this line, we got confused and started thinking that we are praying to the same God and worshiping the same religion and thinking that our lot in life is based on God not hearing us. So somewhere we lost our way with it. But I I think that's more Mm. about us than it is the religion necessarily. I think any religion, if used properly, can be a tool of liberation. Problem is, are we at that space to actually take advantage of it? I don't know. Mm. But that's a that's a that's a um that's a great point. This is Nas, right? Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Yeah, you you always call up with with, with, with great points. Um, you know what? I I, I you know I, I I actually agree with that. I do agree with that. Um, you know, with that assessment. I, and like I, as I stated before, the black community is a microcosm of the larger American society. Black people are yep. the most Americanized group, and that's why we're in the condition we're in. Even, like, check this out, Cynthia. The guy, Richard Ralph Banks, who, who, who wrote that book, um, is marriage for, um, for white people, mm-hmm. he actually says that. He, he says what the dynamics that's playing out in the black community as, as it relates to dating is a microcosm of what is taking place within the larger American, um, American society. That is... Um, you know, I, I, I think that is that is a major part of the problem. Now, you know, on Facebook for the last couple of days, I've been, you know, making posts that have been controversial, especially towards women, um, because I, you know, I, I like to try and be fair in the in the critiques that, you know, that I levy. And I do think that one of the major problems right now is where our where our morals and our mores are. You see know what I'm saying? And I think as a, as a people. And as a community, we have misplaced priorities and misplaced values. Our value system is shot, and 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 that well, does well, speak we, to the we, brother. We, we bought point. into Americanism, right? Right. We bought into Americanism, right. the idea of individualism. We bought into the mm-hmm. idea of a nuclear family within a capitalist system, which is insane because a nuclear family mm-hmm. is really hard to keep together under a capitalist system. And the groups who've decided to do extended families, which we've been doing for right. you know millennia. Uh, has always proven to be the better op- option. And, and if we're being honest, we, there's still some remnants of it now. Uh, you know, you got to go to work. Your auntie is keeping the child. And <clears throat> your cousin such and such is going to pick up the child from daycare and hold them till 530 when you get off and you get over there and pick them up. So we do, we do operate with it, you know, with certain aspects, but we don't understand it in totality because we bought into Americanism. And I think that's the biggest issue because, hell, look at Americanism for the people it's supposed to benefit, and they going through hell. Why? Because this system is built on inequality, disparity, and crushing people underfoot, because that's what, you know, capitalism is at its, at its core base. So, you know me, right. man, I'm a leftist, so I'm always going to talk my leftist stuff. But either way, man, uh, right. yeah, we can get the church to work for us, but as of right now, I, I think your assessment is correct. The church is not working for us. We're paying ties, we're keeping up buildings, but we're not building communities, we're not actually changing lives uh, because we believe mm-hmm. in this Americanism shit. Right, right. What 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 you have to say about it, Kenya? 
Can you? Well, what you what you have to say about it, Sin? The Kenya leaves. Um, you know, no, the, she, the thing she has, a, she has a, her mic muted. Kenya, you have your mic muted. But what, what were you finna say, Sin? I, I think that the, the, this discussion is just an example of how black people are unwilling to discard that which does not work. Because let's just say hypothetically, even if Christianity was valid, which for a lot of people it is valid, and I'm not seeking to take away whatever their validity. I just think it's interesting that they can't provide any evidence to validate what they believe. But even if Christianity was valid, the fact that nobody can really tell one benefit that Christianity has posed to the black community and yet they still cling tightly to it, that right there illustrates an inherent flaw in, in, in black people's thinking. And because just like you said with the Asians, and there are, there are a lot of, of, of Asian Christians, but they're not going to rely on Christianity to liberate them. They're liberating themselves. That's just a reality. And so when you have black people who are Christians sitting here saying the answer to dealing with white supremacy is to do nothing, that's problematic. That's really right. I, 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 that's that that's what I have. That's what I have a problem with. Right. That's yeah. what I have a problem with. Because you know what? But, but, and that reminds that's me of like the people. point, though. But go ahead. My right. Mind. Right. Now you good. Um, and, that's and why you I know look I'm at, not a Christian. I'm, I'm just talking about just the times where it has been useful and then times where it hasn't. I'm, I'm not. I'm right. not here to critique the religion because I'm a person who's a non-believer. But my thing is this. If you're looking at the majority of our people, they believe in a religion. It's Christian, Islam, or whatever. How do you work with them outside of those religions and push forward by allowing them to keep theirs? Because if we take on the fight of, I have to get you to denounce your religion, and then we take on the fight, we're actually talking about uh, just waiting on progress and not doing the work. I say the work needs to happen regardless. And Malcolm, Malcolm said it best uh, in the beginning of the Ballad of the Bullet where he said, I'm a, min- I'm a Muslim minister. Uh, Brother Clee is a Christian minister. If we argued about religion, we'd be here all day arguing about that as opposed to the things we need to actually talk about. So I'm not a religious guy at all. I'm, I'm just talking about, okay, there have been times where it's been useful. That's all. Mm. Right. Okay, yeah, I, I, um, though, yeah, I appreciate, I appreciate you calling. Though. It's interesting because because people keep getting a timeline and saying, you know, it hasn't been beneficial during this time or that time or there's a time when it's been useful. But then when we ask, okay, when has it been useful and in what ways? They can't tell. Mm. And I think that was – and I feel like that was one of um, Christina's core issues. And I I don't – I'm not going to speak too much on her while she's not – around to defend herself, but I, I, I will say this because everybody witnessed it already and I said it to her. If I'm at, if you're saying that the Bible that serves purpose A, B, and C or whatever, and then I say, oh, okay, well, can you explain that and can you tell, give me an example of that? And then you can explain that, that's a problem. So if people are mm. saying that there was a time when Christianity was useful, even if they're saying it was useful, like how you said, it was, it was, you know, there was a time when black people, when Christianity was leading black people to get, get married and have children when they were married and not, you know, celebrate the side chicks and all these things. That would be right. an example. But it's like, why can't they provide 
any examples to substantiate what they're saying. Because if, if they're saying, oh, well, how many, like even Big J, he didn't connect the dots between Christianity having some kind of merit and a successful slave revolt. Because the reality is, to my knowledge, the only truly successful slave revolt was the one that happened in Haiti, and they were not Christians. Right. So I would right. like to know what what one thing, if it was an event, if it's a mentality, if it's a way of life, what is one, one way that Christianity was ever beneficial to anybody other than the system of white supremacy? Right. I, I think the, I think for me the most startling thing um, that, that I heard tonight was from Mr. Tianchi and, and, and Christina. Um, I guess mm-hmm. she, her, her, she was having trouble with her phone, so I, I just couldn't keep on the line with that, you know, messing up the, the audio stream. Um, but, the, the, you know, was this – I don't know why we act like white supremacy is a, it isn't a, a, a clear and present danger. Like, I, I don't – and that's why I thought about it, and I'm like, we just had – a, a, a little black girl cut across her neck, man. You know what I'm saying? That it that could have been anybody. Yes. You see what I'm and saying? That could have been anybody. How is she saying that the solution is to love your people, but she doesn't even have a base level of love for her people to separate her individual experience from the rest of the collective? Because the reality of it is I haven't faced police brutality. I'm able to get a job. You know, I, when I go out, I don't have white supremacists slitting my throat. I don't have them coming up to me calling me niggers. I don't have a lot of the experiences that a lot of black people have with white supremacists. I don't need right. to have those experiences personally to have empathy for my community and to put myself out there and say, I'm going to fight this battle, not because I'm experiencing it on, on its most primal level, but because my people are experiencing, and I know it affects my people. So how can she, as a Christian, say the solution is love, but you don't even love your people enough to know that just because you don't experience it, they're still experiencing it, and you should fight it for them? How How is right. it loving when you, she lacks that basic level of empathy? And that's what I was talking about with Christianity, because every t- single time we talked about Christianity, what did she say? She said, well, I don't see this. Well, this doesn't happen to me. Well, I have a job, and I don't see it here. So she's seeing from her own individual perspective and not the, not the experience of the entire community. And I don't see, and that's the problem. And Christians do have that mentality, and Christianity, even though she's professing love, is not changing that. And, and that's, and that's what, what was the, prime, the primary thing that I was trying to bring her attention to. You're professing love. You're professing this Bible, but you're not even going by it as a Christian who's advocating for it, because if you were, you would be in the fight. You would be looking into these things, not for yourself, but because your people experience it. Like, how many, we just had a slew of black men getting shot. You just mm-hmm. like you said, the girl getting their throat slits, the little boy who got snatched off the bus with, by the white supremacists, and with a tattoo that says, I hate black people on it. Like, right. what about those people who are experiencing it? Because in, in my city, in the very liberal city where they hide their racism and you don't have all that going on, I'm kind of sheltered from that. But a lot of, a lot of our people are not sheltered for that. So how am I going to sit here and profess to be a loving Christian, but I'm overlooking what the masses of uh, what my people are going through just because I can't see it in my personal life? Right. I, I think that's a problem that, you know, that a lot of us, that a lot of us have is it doesn't become relevant, and you know, till it happens to us. You know what I'm saying? Un- unfortunately, and 
as I said, the biggest failure of the black church has been um, it has been the seat of, uh, you know, this corporate fascist, you know, fascist regime that we're under. That's really that's really what we're under. We're not under, you know, an American democracy. You know what I'm saying? But what I wanted, but me and Kenya, we wanted to talk also have, um, you know, a discussion about R. Kelly and his, you know, his his, his song that he released. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? That mm-hmm. song. Um, I, what, what was it called? I'm sorry. What, what, what was the name of that song, Kenya? I admit. I, I think it was I admit. I admit. Okay, now check this out, because I'm gonna get both. I'm gonna get both of y'all perspective, and because I, you know, like I, I wanted, I did want to talk about this too, Kenya. All right, so you know, I, you know, I made some posts on Facebook, right? <laughs> and yeah, you know, I guess, it, I guess it could, it could be misconstrued a certain type of way, right? So this is what I said, Sin. I said, quality women don't give ass on the first night, <laughs> and so that got me, that got me in a lot of trouble on Facebook. What? I'm sure. What do y'all think about that statement? Um, I think that the problem is, is is I think in some ways, I think black people put too much stock in sex. And then in some ways, I think they don't put enough into it. And I think Mm. that to reduce a woman's quality to her ability to withhold sex makes no sense. Because there's a lot of women out here withholding sex, but they lack domestic skills, they lack integrity, they lack any type of character, and they can't even hold a conversation or cook a meal without burning down the kitchen. So why is she relegated, her value relegated to how soon, or she withholds, she gives up sex, or whether she withholds it? That doesn't make any sense to me. All right, that's a good, that's a good point you really, made. What about you, Kenya? not to manipulate. Right. What what what's your what what do you say, Kenya? I don't think it's a good idea to have sex with people as soon as you meet them. <laughs> but at the same time, any time I've ever seen a post made about it, all the people who had sex on the first night and went on to get married <laughs> come on the post and tell you how wrong you are. Right. So yeah. Yeah, but that that, that those. There's no foolproof way to do anything. Right. Those people, those people who, who come on talking about, look, I did it this way. Those people are outliers. That's like drug dealer. That's like Dame Dash talking about how you became a drug dealer so he could get to where he is now. That you're you're an outlier. You know what I'm saying? We know the vast majority of drug dealers end up in jail or in prison. You see what I'm saying? And and okay. because ultimately what 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 it really speaks to is 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 that we do not spend enough time getting to know a person before we get intimate with the person. You see what I'm saying? Before we, you know, before we, um, you know, form a bond with this person. That's uh, essentially, that's what sex is or that's what it's supposed to be. And in my opinion, I think that speaks to the Americanization of black people. Now I'll say this. Does that mean a woman who is quality won't give it up on the first night? No, it doesn't mean that because the majority of guys don't want to do it on the first night. What I'm saying is this: is that if you have a, is is if it's a pattern of behavior, where it's it's three or four dudes you don't you don't engage in this activity with, well then there's something going on there. You see, now I can understand a woman who's who's about you know who, who's on point, who, who's everything that a man would want, and she meets the guy, she's feeling the guy so much that you know you would you would do that. You see what I'm saying? But now look at our culture now as compared as compared to the previous generations when the Kardashians 
are the model for are the model for womanhood within our communities. It seems like like they're all the dominant society is always pushing their degeneracy on us, and and, and we follow suit with it. And, and and a lot of times it's the black men who are who, who are at the forefront of it. Tell me, I'm lying. No, you're not. <laughs> Right, these men go along with it because they're so sexually driven. You see what I'm saying? Like, like that's that's the that's the perspective that um you know that I that I was coming from. Now, what do y'all think the, the community should do about R. Kelly? <laughs> let me let me just say this with R. Kelly. It's interesting because mm-hmm. you have a society. I feel like if R. Kelly primary victims were white, I really think that the black community, specifically black men, would have more sympathy. But I think because R. Kelly's um, Mm -hmm. primary victims were black and because, unfortunately, too many of our men have have internalized the perspective that white um, supremacy has on black women, that's a problem right. because all I see them doing is deflecting from what R. Kelly has done, making excuses and condoning his behavior. And I really think because mm. they, they, they were desensitized to the plight of, of black women. But I also noticed how did, did you guys catch the part of R. Kelly's song where he tries to manipulate black women into continuously supporting black men like him, talking about black men well, having hard enough. Let me let me look up um, the the lyrics because he has a part in there where he's talking mm-hmm. about and and putting this this burden on black women to have undying loyalty um, to to black men regardless to how much destruction they're doing to the community doesn't make any exactly. sense. It's like R. Kelly exactly. is a predator. Exactly. And it's and like, that, Kelly, and, and but let me let me find out why you say that. Yeah, and, and that's how he should. That's how he should be treated. He should be treated as a, as a predator. Because this is what I say. Like they always talking about uplift the black man, protect the black man. And the fact of the matter is, you got black, you got the black man in the community doing shit he ain't got no goddamn business. You know what I'm saying? No, I don't agree with that. Niggas who do it, they who, who do shit they ain't got no business should be called out. Period. Point blank. With ex, with extreme prejudice, you don't get a pass just because you're just because you're a black male. This idea of Overvalue, overvaluing black maleness just because? No, no, I'm not. I'm not. I, that's not what I'm about. I don't believe in that. And that's one thing I've, I've spoken to a lot too. Is we have no sense of honor or meritocracy in the black community. It, there's there's this whole culture of entitlement that exists within the black community. It, like we don't believe in, in in honoring honoring mother and father like we used to. We don't believe in honoring honoring husband and wife like we used to. We don't believe in honoring each other. We don't believe in the honor system. You see what I'm saying? There's, there's been this, this thing that's been pushed about just, you know, people feeling entitled, this sense of entitlement. And that's something I, spoke, that's something I speak about a lot, that a lot of brothers have, have, an, have this sense of entitlement when it comes to black women. But I have to, I have to put some of the blame on black women because, because black women have continued to support the worst, you know, some of the worst type of men, and that's just the reality. You see what I'm saying? Yeah, this, but this, this, this culture of Colin that exists. Here's what he Go says. Ahead. It's in verse six where he says, um, "Women show black men some love, cause black men we go through enough. How can we get up off the ground when we steady tearing each other down?" And it's like, don't mm-hmm. don't you dare sit up there 
after because he has a part in here where he says um, he says something about the ladies and he's talking about he likes them both young and old and how can they and he also admits in here he had sex with his his wife his girl's best friend mm-hmm. um, so he he's just he's just yeah he, yeah, he has that, a part in verse five. Where he says, I admit I fuck with all the ladies. That's both older and young ladies. But tell me how they call it pedophile because of that shit. That's crazy. You're a pedophile because of preying on a younger girl. Like, are you kidding me? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Can, can you, can and you then get he in, says, get you in, may get have in your Entitled mm-hmm. to your opinions, but really, am I supposed to go to jail or lose my career because of your opinion? Do you see how demented that is? That's that's right. not about an opinion. He's calling him preying on younger girls somebody's opinion. Right. Right. And you know what? Um, I could because you know we we've had posts like this in our group in our group too, Kenya, where like. It'll be like you know what was at what age did you start noticing men men watching you in a in a, in a sexual way as a little girl yeah. and like if you yeah. see some of the, some of the answers like you you'll be uh, taken aback and then the you know the funny thing is that some of the some of the brothers will come on there and they'll try and dismiss the women as if they're lying I know these women ain't lying you know what I'm saying yeah. these women aren't lying like I've seen women say ages like twelve ten uh thirteen. Fifteen, you know what I'm saying, stuff like that. Like that thing, that, that was, was 13 a lot more prevalent when, than what we acknowledge. Go ahead. When I, when I was 13 and I was in middle school, I had a black male gym teacher, an older one, bringing me flowers and telling me I'm his wife when we when I was in in mm. um, in school. And so, what, right. actually, I, I think I had just got into high school, so I may have been 15. But he was right. bringing flowers to school, telling me I'm, I'm his wife. And so the thing of it is, is if you go through a number of different women in the community, you're going to find very um, inappropriate things. When I was younger than that, there was a guy down the street at the corner store who would make, um, and it was right um, after I got hit by a car when I was 11. So I think I was still 11 or 12 at this time. Mm. And he was uh, um, another black man making very inappropriate sexual comments to a twelve-year-old. Right, right, and you know what? Let me let, let me speak to this. I'm because I'm I gotta say how I feel about something. You know what I'm saying? Because this is something I don't appreciate. <laughs> okay, because this is something I notice with a lot of sisters, and I and I get what I get with it. What you know how they feel and stuff like that. And that is that the black woman has been the most unprotected you know, person within American society. And, and, and that's true to a certain extent. That's true. It's not even to a certain extent. That is an absolute, it's an absolute fact. The problem I have is, is that, and you know what, this is why we have no leader, no leader, no leader class within the black community, no warrior class of men within the black community. And you know what, sisters is just going to have to take an L and hold some accountability on this one. A lot of times it is the sisters who, 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 stamp, who stamp that out, who stamp that out of the men. They stamp it out of the I head. agree. They, they, they do. Like, okay, so I, I was – now, when I, like when I made the earlier the, – the, when I was talking about the post I made on Facebook, I'm not saying it in a way to be demeaning or anything. What I'm really saying is I'm really coming from a point of, a, a point of trying to encourage sisters because the fact of the matter is that too many black women do not value themselves. And so because they don't know their worth, what they do is they, they give themselves – 
to men too easily to these sorry ass men, and that's the point. And that's the point I'm making is is, is that sisters have to stop incentivizing the ain't shitness of black men. You see what I'm saying? Stop rewarding these 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 men who don't value and who don't value you enough as women to create. Uh, a community where where you can be safe and can be protected, and it's a, it's like the old adage says, you get more of what you tolerate, and I think that sisters are too tolerant of the bullshit mm-hmm. of black men. That's what, I was you know what I'm saying. Just telling my best friend that today, I said this undying loyalty that black mm-hmm. men have towards black men is enabling them to continue to act the way they act. And they give it to it right. across the board, whether it's interracial dating, whether it's disrespecting mm-hmm. disrespecting black women, because the reality of it is, is even with just interracial dating, if black women are going to steal, regardless to black men interracial dating, because they want them to make a verbal declaration as if their mm. willingness to go in um, – commit to another race of women over them isn't saying enough. When you do that, yeah. you're telling a black man, you can go be with a white woman, invest yourself in the white community, and we're still going to support you. What would be right. their motivation to change? Exactly. There's no, mo- there's no motivation for them, to, for, for them to do better. You see what I'm saying? And, 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 this, speaks to, and this speaks to the level of unprotection that, that sisters have had. You see what I'm saying, but I think that when I think that when a man tries to stand up and tries to be a certain, you know, fulfill that role, too many times it's it's women who who um who stump that out of them. Like check this out. Let me tell this story. Okay, I was like 12, right? And I have a younger sister. She's seven years younger than me. She's seven. And so there was a neighbor who lived across the street, and she was a little girl. That little girl was like eight or nine, something like that. So, you know, she would come over every day and stuff like that, right? So I remember one day I actually walked in on them. Now, you know what? My little sister wasn't even seven. I'm I'm tripping. She was like five or six, something like that, right? So I walked in on Mm -hmm. them, and they were hunching. You know what I'm saying? Like they were hunching. So I made them stop, and I I told the little girl she had to go home, right? So the little girl, like, didn't want to go. So I, so, you know, I, so I physically removed the little girl from the house. You know what I'm saying? Like, I pushed out the door, right? So then the girl went, the little girl went and lied and told everybody that I hit her, that I beat her, you know what I'm saying? So it was my mother and my sisters that my mother, I remember they jumped on me and my mother gave me a whooping. You see what I'm saying? Now let's fast forward till the day. That same little sister is right now in Iowa in a in, in 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 a lesbian relationship, doing mess in and out in and out of jail. Mm-hmm. This is the type of things that that, that women tend to do. You see what I'm saying? They, and, and, and instead of in, in, instead of encouraging that by you know by like pruning that with, with within the men, they tend to overreact and have this visceral reaction to any type of masculinity that that they deem is imposing on on their rights as women and this and this is the stalemate that we're at you see what i'm saying like this is part of i think that i think that is part of the problem that is that is part of the problem how how you want us to to protect and to provide but then we don't have no authority to say nothing what real man gonna sign up for that i know i wouldn't like if i was with a woman and and I'm I, I'm willing to protect and provide and everything like that, but I can't say nothing. 
No, that, no, that don't work like that. It has to be a symbiotic relationship. Now, then on the other hand, too, I do understand you have these men who want women totally dependent on them so they can treat them like shit. And so they can be abusive and so they can be controlling and so they can be, you know, manipulative and stuff. You see what I'm saying? Mhm. Like I think that that's look at Big J he in the chat room. <laughs> Kenya, what you think about that? Until it's, and so and so when I see my sister in that condition, like I can only blame like my mother. I mean, like you know what I'm saying? If you would have backed me up on that and then like just did what you should have did what you should have did, handled it the right type of way, then that behavior probably could have been avoided. And I think all too many times that is a prevalent occurrence within the within the black community. If sisters want something from the men, if they want if they really want something from, from the brothers, then they're gonna have to give a little something too. And that little something I'm talking about giving ain't cooch. You know what I'm saying? Like you're gonna have to give a little something, man. I think and I think that that is, you know, part of the problem in our community. What you think, Kenya? Because <laughs> <laughs> when I made that post here, here come all the feminist tropes. Oh, you're trying to police women's bodies. You're trying to police women's bodies, right? So then I posted a, I posted a, uh, a screenshot of a post a woman made saying, saying something about men eating booty on the first night. I said, well, hi. So, but y'all get to police men's bodies. You see what I'm saying? Well, well how was that fit? If a man want to eat ass on the first night, he's perfectly fine. Don't, don't, don't be shaming him then. Does that go both ways? How you gonna shame him? You see what I'm saying? <laughs> what, what, what what y'all think, man? <sighs> I think that the the contradictory nature of the double standards is why you get pushed back. Mm. That's why. So what? You, what like what? What's contradictory? Like contradictory? What? What do you mean? I always point out the contradictions to you. What do you mean? I know, but I want you to point them. I want you to point them out for the audience. Like, this. Give, tell me what you you know. Um. <laughs> Somebody in the chat room said. I like what was the post again? Um. What was the post? I said, quality women don't give ass on the first night. <laughs> <laughs> and That's then, what you were just talking about? No, but I was That's just talking about, about the one about eating booty. Men, men something about men say something like men eat booty on the first night. Or something. I wasn't about to you know, I wasn't about to even touch that eating booty thing. I, 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 I was about to touch that but nothing. Um mm. the problem is is that <clears throat> while a lot of men will tell a woman that, you know, the majority of her problems with men and um relationships is because of her sexual behavior with them. Hmm. The only problem with that is that men are not willing to commit to support the raising of standards. Right. You know, don't tell a woman, keep your legs closed, make that man, you know, prove himself, hmm. make him have this, that, and the other in line, you know, and they won't say that when they are admonishing women. Hmm. But then, you know, you could be on a another conversation and the men will be telling women all the ways in which they do not deserve these standards that they have, that they're unrealistic, that they're right. asking too much, they do. that you cannot hold a black man by the same standards mm-hmm. you would hold any other man. So that's the, the reason why you get pushed back, because you're saying, you know, quality women 
don't give it up on the first night. But at the same time, and, and I'm not saying, you know, just the first night. I'm not advocating to just give it up on the first night. What I'm saying is, is that the majority of men do not date and marry women if they have not been able to have sex with them first. And most of them don't even want to get married, period. They definitely don't want to get married blindly to a woman that they are not sure they're going to have a satisfying sexual relationship with. And I understand that, you know, that's not that might not be the ideal way mm. to uh, build a foundation for a marriage, but I'm, I'm not speaking on morality. I'm speaking on what people are actually doing and not doing. Right. And the majority of men are not going to wait. Well, see, here's the thing. They may tell the woman that they will wait for her, mm-hmm. but they're not going to be abstinent with her. Right. That's, and see, that's the problem. That's you know, if, if you have to think about it from a woman's perspective, it's like, do I not have sex with this man? And then he's having sex with all kinds of other women, developing a taste for side chicks or whatever. You know, and then expect him to be faithful to me, or if he's going to be getting it, then why wouldn't he be getting it from me? And see, the thing is that, you know, it's only if you have, you know, some kind of uh, your own personal moral belief, or if you uh, subscribe to a, a religious or belief system that will prevent you from doing that, you are having problems with the women who don't subscribe to any particular religious belief system that will prevent them from having sex, you know, as they want to. Mm -hmm. And those women were the ones who were telling you that you're policing women's vaginas because, you know, they have seen it just like I've observed it and and seen it posted about on on, um, Facebook and in Mm -hmm. chat rooms and threads and stuff where, you know, you could start it off either way and it can still either flourish or it can go south you know i personally know of a woman that i went to school with mm-hmm. and she was a virgin up until she was married and mm-hmm. she she used to throw that up in the faces of other girls and a lot of girls didn't like her for that but the fact of the matter was that she saved herself for her husband and he clowned her by having affair after affair after affair after affair, and she ended up, and she's a single mother today, of, you know, a child that she had with her husband, mm-hmm. her saving herself for him, and him knowing that, did not, you know, he didn't value her any more than any other woman. See, that's the thing. I feel like black men want us to feel like, you know, your virginity, you know, first and foremost, is the most important thing. And then, if not that, then to keep your quote-unquote body count low is what gives you your value. But the fact of the matter is is that those guys get with women that they believe are virgins or that they believe have a low body count, and they don't value her. I mean, you know what I'm saying? They, it doesn't, they don't express with their actions mm. about the way they treat her that they value her any more than anybody else with any other body count, any other sexual history. They mm. will do the same stuff to a virgin that they will do to another. Because mm. the fact of the matter is, you can be a virgin, but as soon as he has sex with you, you're not a virgin anymore. Mm. So how long does he actually value you being that virgin? Mm-hmm. Only if he has a religious system 
that is teaching him to believe a certain way. But if you're talking about just the general population, the, you know, secular people, it means nothing. Right. That's why you get pushback, because women have done it the way you say do it, and it still didn't work. Okay. Yeah, I got to agree with Kenya. I think the man is only going to value sex with the woman to the extent that he values the woman. And if he doesn't value the woman, then it's not going to matter when she has sex mm-hmm. with him or when she doesn't. The result is going to be the same. Um, I will say, though, um, from from experience with a lot of women, when the man this, this um discards her often is not because of how soon she had sex with him. It's because she she lacks um, any type of um, substantial, meaningful um, traits. And I'm not going to say that's, that's in every case, because I know that's not in every case. I'm literally relegating this to, I guess we can call it anecdotal evidence, um, because and with me, I'm the type of type of woman. I'm gonna have sex whenever I want to. It could be the first minute, the first day, a year, five years. I don't really care if I want to have sex with the man. I'm gonna have sex with him, and I couldn't really care less. And that's because I'm gonna be judging that man's worth, and I might not want to date him. And it doesn't matter whether he wants to date me. If I don't want to date you. It doesn't matter when I have sex with you. The relationship isn't going to progress. But I have known women who wanted to withhold sex, and withholding sex didn't matter because they still didn't have any, any really anything of substance to them. And I've, and I've also mm. had women who've done overtly sexual, beyond sexual things, and the result was the same as the ones waiting. So I think it, it ultimately depends on whether or not the man values the woman and what is his intent going towards the woman. Is he there just mm-hmm. to have sex with her? Because if he's there just to have sex with her, it's not going to matter whether she waited or not. A man will wait while for you to have sex, but he'll be having sex with other women, and then soon as he get it from you, he'll discard mm-hmm. it. If that's all he wants, but you know, from from what I've known, it, it's because of the woman lacks substance, not because of how soon she's having sex with him. I've mm. I've certainly never had that that I've I've never had that experience. And some of them I had sex with them immediately. Some of them I didn't. And I've ne- I've never had any situation where a man was like, okay, I just don't want to deal with you. In most cases, they want to stick around too much when I don't want to deal with them. So. <laughs> That's what a lot, that's what a lot of that's what a lot of women were saying. You know what I'm saying? That's what a lot of women were saying. But but to me that but to me that speaks to um that speaks to the class of men out here to a certain extent. You know what I'm saying? Like uh, like you know, y'all know what I say. We have a deficit of manhood. You know what I'm saying? That's the way I see it. You know, you have a lot of um, developmentally arrest, uh, arrested men who only who only have sex to offer. You know what I'm saying? Let's be real. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Like that's that's all he bringing to the table. The, the table is their penis. So when they telling you bring something to the table, that's what they're talking about. You know, like you have those type of you have that that class of men out there. You know what I'm saying? But um, I really think black you, women's issue is taking too many too many of these men seriously and not looking at some of them. Like the, the reality of it is, is you you shouldn't and you don't have to look at every man you have sex with in terms of is this person relationship material and try to be in a relationship mm-hmm. with every man that you have sex with. I think that's the problem is that some of these women aren't just looking at these men as fun. 
And that's the problem. That's why you have a lot of disappointment because every man isn't fit to be in a relationship with you. Some of them should just be friends. Some of them should be maybe boyfriends and relationships and building partners. And some of them should simply just be used for sex if that's all they have to offer. And I think that going into every dealings with every man as if you want to turn him into a boyfriend, that's a problem. We shouldn't be trying to turn him into a boyfriend. We should be um, we should be judging whether or not he's fit to be in a relationship with us or not. And if he's not, then if you want to have sex with him, keep it sexual. But at the end of the day, I think women do that too much. Everybody shouldn't be a boyfriend. It shouldn't. Right. And so that should, that should be some type of weed now process. Hey, Christina, are you still on the line? Uh, you, you, you went ahead and muted. You unmuted the wrong oh. line, uh, Mary. Oh, this big, and big J. Yeah, okay. Yes, yes, Cynthia. Yes, Cynthia. Because, Big J, you said I was anti male. So, which one of my statements, Big J, because you were putting that in the chat room, you said you you don't like anti male propaganda. And and I told Mm -hmm. you that it's not propaganda if you can't provide any evidence to invalidate what I'm saying. So, propaganda implies that I'm lying, Big J. Well, okay, okay, okay. You, that the premise of your argument. Is that is that black is that if if uh, if there was more sexual access to white women, uh, black black men would have done it more. That that was they the would. premise of your argument. Okay, now, now 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 I got to ask this question. Based upon whom? See, and, and you keep on saying. These okay, studies. let me re- let me. Okay, I'm gonna, I'm gonna tell you because first of all, there's not a lot of black people doing studies and research, and that's why I told you to post some research and data conducted by black people since you're because the, the 99% of all research is conducted by white people. Let's just be real. So yes. if you're going to toss out <laughs> research and data on the merit that is from white people, then you need to toss out all research because all of those talking points that the dusty beta manosphere regurgitates, all of those come from white people too. So you don't get to just sit there and dismiss it just because it's being said about black people. But to answer your question, I just did a video on that show called Married at First Sight. One of the pa- the pastor on there on the show is a black man. He said people write in to him all the time, and they ask him to put interracial couples on here on there. He said mm-hmm. he tried to put interracial couples on there, and he said he can get a lot of black men who want to be with white women. He said the problem is there's not a lot of white women that want to be with black men. He said that's the the problem. He can't get many white women that want to go on there and marry black men. Then there was another study conducted that I did a video on, and they surveyed white women. Nearly 90% of them said they would want to have sex with black men. But guess what the percentage of them was that said that they would marry them? 17. Only 17% of them said they would want to marry them. Nearly the rest, all of the rest of them said they would only have sex with them. They don't think they're good fathers. They don't think they're good husbands. They don't think they're good providers. So that right there and other evidence, and just you can look at reality and tell by the interracial rate, because if you go on all the research, it says black people have always desired interracial dating at a significantly higher level than white people did. During Jim Crow, they said 56% of black people wanted to interracial date with white people. That's what the percentage of white people that wanted to interracial date with black people was. It was less than seven. 
But Kenya says she want to dress up. Me say, go ahead, Kenya. <laughs> I want to address Big J saying that men are not marrying because they don't trust women. Well, the only problem with that is that black men are using the fact that they don't trust women and the fact that they are scared of a woman divorcing them and them having to pay alimony and child support. Mm. They're worried about, you know, losing their house in the divorce and, and things like that. But the fact of the matter is is that black men do trust black women because when you have raw sex with someone, you are trusting them with your very <laughs> life. You're also trusting uh-huh. them because if you mm-hmm. impregnate them, that child is yours regardless of what your intentions were. So, yeah, you do trust women. What you don't want to do is commit to a woman financially. You will get all in between her legs physically, but you don't want to commit (laughs) in any tangible way that's not getting you some booty. That's what it is. Exactly, yeah. and CP said, and and CP in the and the chat said they don't want to marry because they know they are unable to keep their dicks in their pants. Exactly, because a lot of women yeah. will yeah. divorce a man over infidelity. So and 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 so the thing of it is, is if you know as a black man that you're going to go out there and act like a plantation bug, and then your plantation bug behavior <laughs> is going to lead you to a divorce, which is going to lead you to having to pay some alimony and some child support. Of course you're going to have marriage because you're bound by a contract. Right. You're, ba- you're contractually right. bound to do something. Furthermore, right. you brought up the, the statistic of black women initiating divorces. Well, if a lot of divorces are also over money, is because chances are that black man isn't going to be bringing that financial stability like the black woman is. So in order for her to keep herself afloat, sometimes divorcing him might be the best way to go. In addition to him maybe being abusive and just not taking the relationship seriously, and I'm not saying that's all the cases. I'm saying there's a there's a myriad of reasons why people get divorced. So you can't just look at that 60% and say, oh, well, since black women have increased their, devo- their um, divorcing, that must mean they don't value marriage. Maybe they don't value unhappy marriages. <clears throat> right. Yeah. Yeah, but um, you know that's that that's gonna do it because we actually went over the stream. We've been over the stream for about forty minutes. Um, you know, I, I appreciate the I appreciate the guests. I'm gonna have to um. Hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on. Okay. Jay just said, "Can you just lie? How did Kenya just lie?" All right, hold on. Let me let me unmute Big J. Because because of because of because of the premise the premise you're saying the uh, men men do not want to financially tie themselves to women. That's a lie. Why would a man? Be married in the first place if he's not financially tied to this woman. So, so like, so therefore, the premise of your argument is still flawed. Because every no, man, because every man, any, any man, any no. man, no, but any man <laughs> who who marries a woman is is committing himself to be financially tied to his woman and to his and her right, kids. But the whole is that they're not doing that. But you, but you, but you, but. No, but you got, but you, but you, but we live in a generation where where a woman can sit there and drop her hands up and say any any damn thing and say, oh, this nigga ain't shit, and there is there's no proof that he ain't shit. The court, the court is just gonna war her any damn damn thing. <laughs> That's the reason why though you see see a whole lot of annulments, a lot of divorces and broken homes. 
and y'all don't want you to admit that part because because like because like y'all reading the wrong books and the wrong studies and the wrong and wrong ideologies. But I know I know I know I know I know, the, I know the, this, 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 this ain't my show. I know the, this, this this ain't my show. So I'm gonna drop it at I'm gonna meet that up. So so Big J, can I ask you this because. You said that black that that men don't don't um don't trust women. Okay, so let me let me ask you this: Why is it then that black men trust marrying white women, although they stand to lose more money being married to a white woman woman than they would being married to a black woman? So if if there's all that trust, why is it that they trust white women despite the fact that again they lose more money? They lose they have they there's a higher risk of them losing more because, by being married because, to a white woman. Because, 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 because so you you forgot to include the the, the economic factor into it, and also the racial component into I, it as well. Allow me, allow me, allow me, allow me to then say this too. I view white women just the same as black black women. So I know what I know what you are trying to do. You trying to put me put me into this box that I like white women and all that. I know what I know what I see what what, what, what you you are trying to do. I'm actually not uh, trying no, to do no, that. No, 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 I see right through your argument. I see right Big through J, your argument. whether you like white women or not does not matter one thing to me. I can assure you oh, it, it doesn't on. do anything oh, to me it, whether it, you like white women or not. I can care less. Come on. It, it, that, that, that is your care. bread and butter. That's your bread and butter. Well, how does it benefit me to for you to like white women? How does you liking white women benefit me? Even if I wanted to prove the no, point. No, it, 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 it benefits your channel. It benefits some views to your channel. If I'm and on Damien Sharpton and Michael B. Jordan and, and who, who he invited on his boat and all that, it, 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 that, that is your bread and butter. So, um, so because Michael B. Jordan's bread and butter is black women, so that's why. Because white women are not Michael B. Jordan's bread and butter. Black women are. Mm. But my thing about it is, how point. is it that how how do I benefit from <laughs> from finding you as a white woman lover? That doesn't make any sense. That doesn't benefit me. Let me explain something to you, Big J. No, 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 my no, 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 because I out to white white women. They're not going to increase. Oh, okay. Oh, hold on, hold on. Let, let me say this to one of your fans named AC. AC, if I say in there against white white women, there are more videos about me talking about white women than are black, black women. So what are you talking about, AC? Know your facts before you come to me with that bullshit. Uh, you big got day, you're the only one who back. seems to think there's a conspiracy <laughs> against you to make you like women. Nobody's conspiring against you. Like we don't care about no, the no, 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 no. It's your rhetoric. It's your rhetoric, Cynthia. Like it's your what? rhetoric. Like what? Give me an example. Oh, oh, oh you, you like just, just like that video you talking about? You going against Dame, uh, the, uh, Damien Sharp? What was the name from ESPN or what? That sports show. Shannon Sharp. Yeah, Shannon Sharp. You went after him. Everybody, everybody's been out of shape with my, my, my Michael B. Jordan. Wait a minute, Michael B. Jordan is not obligated to like you. So why are y'all? And we're not you know, obligated to person. support him. So. And we're and so black he, women are not so obligated to support Michael B. Jordan. So why do you but care he, whether I say don't support hold him? Hold on, hold on. All I'm saying is right now, uh, Serena Williams is not obligated to black men. Michael B. Jordan so is not obligated to black, to black women. Who so when, when, when are y'all going to get over that? You know, y'all sit there, y'all sit there, y'all sit there, and y'all talk about black liberation. 
Instead of talking about black liberation, you want to talk about what's, what, what's talking about some other Negro is doing doing behind closed closed doors. Because how, of, how do you have business. black liberation with black people marrying white people? How do you have how do you have black liberation?
on that topic because, like, you know, my thing, I never had a problem with interracial dating because when you first started the show, I mentioned that I kind of grew up in this, like, this melting pot of environment. So I was around boys of all the ethnic groups and we were all attracted to each other. So it was like really no big deal to me. But what I do have a problem with is it's kind of like was mentioned earlier. It's like black women are made to feel like we're obligated to like be down and always have the back of black men when many times, and I don't like to say all because there's some fantastic black men that I'm around, namely my father, but so many don't have our backs and don't have that same because like I'm divorced. And my ex-husband was a type like, you know, he felt it was like a betrayal to black people to date out for a black woman to date outside her race. But he cheated on me with women of other ethnicities. And it was like, mm. it's like you made to feel like you have to be loyal when you get no <laughs> loyalty in return. And the thing about it is, is that I don't have a problem with people dating outside their race. My issue is, why are you doing it? You know, are you dating? Because when you're dealing with human beings, we're so open and there's so many factors that go into why and i'm not going to pass up on love because i think too lots of we just look black and white there's all types of other ethnic groups so if, if the man that's perfect for me is chinese then i'm going to go with that i'm not going to not find love because he doesn't look like me but i feel like black women are pressured to do that and since black men are more willing to date outside their race and then on top of it when we do it we get shamed that just leaves us just alone and not just alone but it leaves us with nothing so we're kind of out it's like it's a it's a numbers game, you know. So you got a higher mm. percentage of them willing to date outside the race, and then a lot of them do it for that sole purpose. Because my ex husband, my last name is Swahili, so you know, I kind of family I was married into. So it was all you know what it was about. And so my one brother in law, he was talking about how the other brother, other brother stepped his game up because he had a Korean girlfriend. And so I feel like a lot of times black women we hear stuff <laughs> like this so much. You know, yeah, he was like, he stepped his game up. He got a Korean girl. Now, what if it, what if she was just a beautiful human being? You know, why do they always have to be to us? I, I kind of don't feel that it's beneficial to us to keep pushing this notion that black women must stay loyal. We must not ever date outside our race because it's, it's the numbers game is just really not there. That's that's kind of the way I see it, you know. But, but again, you know it depends on why you're doing do it. That? But you know why they do that? Black men only sit here and try to bind black women to being loyal to them because the reality of it is regardless of how much they date other races of women, other races of women are not going to support them. Whenever you see somebody lending support or advocating from black men, it's black women. So if black women choose to withdraw that support, then who's going to be supporting and fighting for black men? Nobody. So they simply just want to run around with these other races of women and then still have black women there advocating them for them because black women advocate for black men and defend black men more than black men defend and advocate for black men. So this is just all about them still being able. 